What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Let's Watch on the Inside OU Podcast. That's right. I finally thought of a f***ing name to call these episodes while we sit here and have no current football to watch. So, you know, we've got a lot of OU football to basically go back and watch. Thank you, YouTube, for your bountiful harvest of old OU football games. And uh, had a lot of fun guests so far. I mean, last week I was with my dad because, hey, we're all quarantined, so who better than to ask your parents <laughs> to do a podcast with? I don't. That's pretty millennial of me, but um, yeah, today's going to be a, a special show. We're going to be watching the 2016 uh, Oklahoma State OU Bedlam game in Norman, Baker Mayfield's second Bedlam game as a starting quarterback uh, with D.D. Westbrook, Samaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon, and those boys. And today's guests, you know, I asked for one guest and I got two, so this is pretty cool. Um, but Mr. Sam Mays from you, everybody knows and loves Mr. Sam Mays from, uh, 107.7, the franchise, the triple M ranch, the Sam Mays podcast, uh, kind of, it's weird to say a coworker of mine because we rarely ever see each other, but we do work for the same radio station and, and your buddy, a former Oklahoma Sooner. Great. Uh, played, I believe on the 2000 national, uh, you were on the 2000 national champion team played until 2004. So never lost to Texas. I think you only lost seven games from the time that you walked onto campus. But, Mr. Wes Sims, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, buddy. Looking forward to it. You know, obviously, a, uh, anytime you can watch a football game is always a ton of fun. I've never really been one to go back and rewatch a ton of things unless it's like the Sunday after college football Saturday. But I've found myself watching, like I've watched the Oregon-Wisconsin, you know, Rose Bowl here recently. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll go back and watch. And, you know, due to the CTE, I don't remember what the outcome is. So, like, new for me. So, no, I, I, it's obviously we wish we had live sports right now, but to be able to go back on YouTube or any of these, you know, services and, and find old games has been a ton of fun. Yeah, no question. Like, I'm a nerd, so it, it never fails. Once we get into like when when regular times are kind of the current situation and not this pandemic silly BS that we have to experience. Um, it, it never fails. Once I get into July, I start going back and watching like old OU games because it's like basketball's over. There's nothing really to watch sports-wise because I'm not that big of a baseball watcher. Um, so it's like, okay, I'll watch this game from 2003 or 2007 and just kind of remember, oh, yeah, that was fun. So now I have to do this much earlier. And also to kind of you know peel the curtain back a little bit, like I've said on this edition of the podcast before, I always let the guests choose the games. And I've already seen, I've already done one OU loss so far. I did the 2011 Texas Tech OU game when Tech came into town and snapped OU's home game winning streak. Um, so when I asked Sam to jump on the pod, I assumed he, he'd be like, oh yeah, let's watch 2002 Bedlam or 2001 Bedlam. This dude said, no, let's watch 2016 Bedlam. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and especially with Wes Sims on the, on the podcast, I would think, well, okay, so you guys did play against each other, not like head-to-head because you're both offensive linemen, but um, 2016 Bedlam, like Sam, what's the thought process behind this one? Honestly, this is probably the, the one Bedlam game that I did not play in that I had a real emotional response about afterwards. Um, you know, Oklahoma is one of the perennial powerhouses in college football. It's a team that's extremely difficult to beat for every team in college football, not just Oklahoma State. But, you know, the one thing you're always looking for in the first five minutes of a football game for the team that you cheer for, the team that you play for, is are they there? Have they shown up? Have the boys shown up to get in a fist fight, right? And this game, correct me if I'm wrong, Brady, this game, there was a Big 12 championship on the line, right? Yeah. 
obviously they're, they're rivals and you're on the road. And I thought the Cowboy football team, the players, showed up in a big way for this game. They were excited to play, which immediately kind of boosted my, I don't say confidence because I'm sure I picked you to win this game. Your, your in-game but, expectations are different than what you think of pregame. So, yeah, I understand. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, and, I mean, off the top of my head, because I haven't seen this game literally until it, you know, it aired or I was in the stadium for at least the first half because it was pissing rain this, this game and it was cold, obviously, being in November. But um, this was a game that I, I thought OSU controlled until the last possession of the first half where OU marched down the field. It was like one big play. They got into the red zone and they were able to score to regain some momentum. And then they, of course, controlled the second half. But, uh, Wes, um, I'll go to you. I mean, what, any, any thoughts before we get jump into this game about coming into this game, what this team – because this was the 2016 team that started off 1-2, and two, losing to Houston and, and Ohio State, and they rebounded and won the rest of their games, uh, including their Sugar Bowl game against Auburn. But, I mean, what were some memories of this game that you have? Uh, I love this team and uh... – I mean, because I remember that first uh, that first weekend when they played, and it, you know, everything was just kind of weird. They were on the road, you know. Usually, the first game's at home, and it was a holiday, so we're all at the lake watching the game, and it was just kind of. But it was weird. The whole season just kind of started off weird. But uh, yeah, the way that they bounced back, and uh, you know, especially the way they bounced back after being one and two, because uh, I mean, they had a few games right off the bat that, I mean, you didn't know. It wasn't really yeah. going to be one no. and three, two and four. But, uh, yeah, this team, the way they rebounded, man, I, I, I love this team. They were fun to watch. Now, what you said, like, I, I've kind of been in that situation before. Um, OU's playing a team that, okay, Houston. All right, OU should win that game fairly easily. I mean, Houston's talented. We all knew it going into the season, but OU should win that game. If I'm at the lake partying with my friends, I'm probably so drunk to the point that when OU is like has lost, that, that's when it hits me. Like, what? Well, of course, <laughs> it was 11 a.m. So it was right. It was a breakfast game. Oh yeah, you of know. course. We yeah. had bacon and eggs in the walk at the lake house in the basement watching the game. It wasn't. See, I mean, Sam could have picked that game and just kind of had his own little, well, I mean, I can watch OU lose one way or another. But, again, um, I understand it. There are times where I want to watch an old game just so I can bitch and moan. So, Sam, the floor is yours to bitch and moan about Mike Gundy because I'm sure OU, inside OU listeners will more than be happy to listen to that. So, Well, let, let me set the stage for this because this is – and this is how I just feel about this game and I will never get off of this damn soapbox. <laughs> This game was for a Big 12 championship against your rival, and you were on the f***ing road. There is only one way to coach this game, and that is with your foot. Barney rubbled through the bottom of your car. That's how hard you're pushing on the gas pedal. There's only one way to do it. One way. And I just still, I'm irritated already on how this thing went. Incredible. Incredible to watch. I would imagine if I'm an OSU fan, I would I would wish that Mike Gundy like would coach in Bedlam like he is like talking about social and medical issues globally when he's in a teleconference. If he was if he coached like that, he might have a few more Bedlam wins. Who knows? Because this game, the 2013 game, are probably the only examples I can think of where OSU probably had as talented of a roster as OU and like since like, other than the 2011 team when OSU was better um, those are 
probably the biggest examples of, man, OSU really squandered a chance here. And uh, we will watch it unfold right here. And everybody, um, by now, hopefully you know the rules, but we are watching this on LA Sooners YouTube accounts. And it's kind of hard to find. You can't just Google, you can't just YouTube OU OSU 2016. You've got to go to LA Sooners YouTube account and then scroll. You figure that out, by the way. Oh, awesome. Brett Ashley Ward, thank you so much. Now you're a, like, despite your, what you want, you're now a friend of the pod. Um, but yeah, go down to LA Sooners YouTube account, scroll down to playlists, and you'll see the 2016 season, and then just scroll through all the games. It's towards the end, and you will find OU OSU. It's got a picture of Baker Mayfield, D.D. Westbrook, and who else? I mean, Mason Rudolph, whatever. Anyway, and if you have that ready to go, when I say go, just hit play, watch the game, and listen to us cheer, bitch, moan, you know, just have a good time. So everybody, three two one play and we've got a beautiful shot of a bunch of fans wearing rain protective gear um that is a sight that we probably won't be able to see for some time because look at all those germs look at that germ factory god this hurts shower <laughs> um fun fact i sat in the stands for this game because i anticipated it was going to be a good one like i was really looking forward to it so any bedlam game that i feel like i'm going to get removed from the press box or if it's in Stillwater, i sit in the stands so this year brett and i sat in the stands and watched the game i did get into an altercation with an osu fan but <laughs> it was uh it was good but I, I sat in the stands with this one froze my tail off for this game but really was just excited about the atmosphere excited about what it potentially could be especially in a time where the big 12 is not getting a bunch of credit for playing good football you know, so to have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in their rivalry game on this weekend was big time. Oh, yeah, no question. Uh, I mean, Wes, the few OU football alums that I know kind of on a personal level, they're not the ones that are like, yeah, I'm going to go into the stadium for like every single game to go watch. I mean, well, what kind of OU football alum fan are you? Are you in the stadium or are you watching from the friendly confines of your home? Oh, I got season tickets. I'm, I mean, I'm, I was born and raised a Sooner fan. So. Yeah. I'm at every OU game. This last year was the first time I had ever missed any home games since since I bought the tickets, and that's just because of work. But uh, I bought tickets uh, as soon as I got out of the NFL, and I knew I was done. I think it was 2007 or eight. I went ahead and bought tickets, and uh, I've been at every home game and every Texas game since. Oh hell yeah! Yep. Um, either t I'm either inside or I'm tailgating just outside the stadium, and. Uh... Could I, rem could I remember a lot of these experiences? Probably not because I'm inebriated more than I should be. But we got Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman on the call. And it's not Joe Klatt and uh, what's his name? The guy that says that – the guy that gave Marquise Brown the Hollywood name. What's his name? He's just that guy. He's that guy right now because I can't remember him. Oh, well. Just that guy now. So, yeah, um, we, we – God, we've got – OU's got so much talent on this team. Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan, even OSU, like I said, a lot of talent. But, um, Sam, they, they showed the um, Central Michigan Hail Mary highlight thoughts, initial thoughts. You know, I, I, I really would prefer you didn't mention it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's just a, another misstep that you, know, you make $5 million a year. Maybe you should know the rules. Like, I'm just throwing that out there. 
uh, a loss that Oklahoma State should have never never had. Like it's, I'm still embarrassed by that. Yeah, it's um, if you are unaware of what Sam is referring to, right before that hail mary from uh, Central Michigan that won them that game, uh, Mason OSU had a fourth down. Mason Rudolph was just told to basically throw the ball up into the air, but there was still plenty of time left. It was you had to kind of like run around if you're Mason Rudolph and then launch it, not just immediately launch the ball into the air because as soon as the ball goes out of bounds, clock stops, then Central Michigan gets the ball back on a turnover on downs and everything happened like it did. One, it's just one of those things that I don't think I had ever seen before and I have never seen since. Someone just t- sending their quarterback out there to, here, throw the ball up into the sky with, with a few seconds left. We're not going to down it. Don't know. But I guess that's, I guess that's Mike Gundy for you. but. I'm not yeah, – I don't watch OSU football every single week, so what do I know? I was kind of baffled, but – I uh, – you know, you look at the, the amount of talent that are on this Oklahoma football team. D.D. Westbrook was just on the screen a second ago. And, you know, that's one of those guys that you look at the numbers, and at this point in the season, I think he had 53 catches in like 12 or 15 touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, why wasn't he drafted higher than he was? And then you look at C.D. Lamb – in this very moment, like today, have you seen any recent photos of C.D. Lamb? It's like, oh, that's why Westbrook wasn't drafted higher than he was because, holy crap, the body on Lamb is unbelievable. Yeah, like, the thing about C- the, the thing about D.D. that's so weird is just, like, OU, especially since the Stoops era began in 99, you've had guys like Mark Clayton that you played with, Wes, um, Sterling Shepard, Ryan Broyles, Joaquin Iglesias, and now more recently, Hollywood Brown, D.D. Westbrook, um, C.D. Lamb. D.D. just – my initial, like, memories of him is that it was nothing game-breaking spectacular as Sam Mays flips off the TV screen because Mike Gundy's on. Nothing game, <laughs> nothing game-breaking spectacular, but then you watch the highlights and it's all he did was just break a game wide open with his speed. And it was different than Hollywood Brown. Like, right. Hollywood's probably a little bit faster. Didi's probably a little bit stronger because D- when you look at Didi, he's not that sh- – he doesn't look that big, but it seemed like every once in a while he'd just stiff-arm somebody to the ground. He has a big play in this game, but OSU's got the ball out there first. And I got to admit, that's probably my favorite modern look for OSU. I'd prefer they go back to their throwbacks. Uh, but the black helmets, white tops, and black pants, very clean. OSU always looks good. The question is, can they play good? This day sucked. And actually, now that I remember this, I did meet your buddy, uh, the Mason Rudolph, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer outfit guy right outside the stadium. I took a picture with the guy. Oh, did you really? Deer Humper. He, he, yeah, he, he, had a line of pe- he had a line of people wanting to take pictures with him. The oh, celeb. He, uh, he called my show once because he was upset at the way that I was talking about him. And I, I said, when you hump a, a reindeer on national television for multiple hours. <laughs> you know, when children are watching. And yeah, and you become an internet sensation. I'm going <laughs> to say whatever the hell I want to say about you. Yeah. Oh. Actually, I was at this game. Jordan Thomas probably should have picked that, but poor Jordan. This Oklahoma State team is pretty good offensively. The offensive line is good. Obviously, Hill's an X-Factor player. There's no doubt about it. They were more physical than I think people gave them credit for, which is kind of what kept them in this game early with Oklahoma. No, the offensive line on this team and the 2017, uh, 2017 team 
when OU went up there in Stillwater where Hollywood kind of became a thing, uh, those offensive lines on both, on both sides of the football were just incredible. Just the amount of, the amount of holes that they could open, the protection they would give Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield, two of the better offensive lines, obviously in the conference, but probably in the country. But um, it's that sad thing where as a college football fan, when you go into a season knowing that you have a great offensive line, it's like you've got to, you've got to get as much out of it as, poss- as much as possible because the likelihood that all those guys are back the following season, because usually offensive lines are better when they're experienced. Um, as soon as they all go, it's like it's a long process to get back to where you were. Yeah, I mean, you just can't miss. You know, so if you're Oklahoma, it's not nearly as tough because you got guys like Wes Sims are beating down the door. They want to come play for Bill Beanbow. You know, where, where oh, you got caught recently is, hell, they had four dudes get drafted and two weren't supposed to that season. Yeah. You, know, you got to replace two – got to replace two tackles that should have been there for one more year. And so now if you look at last year's team and imagine Cody Ford and Bobby Evans flanking that sucker with Creed in the middle. You know what I mean? That's a totally different team. Like, that's a team that potentially looks better, way better in a semifinal game. I don't know if they beat Joe Burrows, but fuck, the score's not going to be nearly as bad as it would have been with those two tackles on that team. Yeah, and right, you know. So now Beanbow's got four to five new guys a year ago, and yeah, it's, the process takes a little bit of time. They should be better this year. The question is, you know, are they going to have somebody that they can plug and play that left tackle spot? Um, because I don't know that that guy was on campus a year ago. No, and and the other thing is, you never know. I mean, with like you said, the level of talent they're bringing in, you never know when you're going to have another Cody Ford kind of emerge. Yeah. Right. Just it's just to to me, and like, what the hell do I know? But it's just they just need a mean motherfucker. Orlando Brown was a mean motherfucker. Cody Ford was a mean motherfucker. Uh, I mean, Wes, were you the mean motherfucker on those early two thousands OU offensive lines? Because I know Jamal Brown was the hi- the highly ranked, uh, highly drafted Jamal, guy. Ranked as as the mean motherfucker <laughs> on our team, and he 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 loved that and he played to it, and I. I was just kind of the, I was kind of the strong guy, you know. I was the one that I wasn't the quickest, but if I got my hands on me, which is which is kind of interesting. You say that because I just watched like highlights of the '04 OU Texas game today, where AD went for 225. Seems like every single play, you're pulling, you know, you're pulling, hauling ass 20 yards downfield, getting somebody, getting like Michael Huff or somebody in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, he was going to blow by the first. Well, first uh, level so fast, I mean, you might as well just, you know, just chip that guy and go look for somebody else. Uh, the best part about the Big 12 at that time was the offensive line play. Like, we were the SEC before the SEC was what it is today. So, you're looking at, you know, Oklahoma's offensive line is a top 10 group. Texas had a top 10 group. Oklahoma State at the time was in the top 12, 15 in the country. Uh, A&M is going to bring you a top 15 group. Nebraska is going to have – I mean, it was it was the conference where you found the best offensive line in the country. No, and, I mean, I was going to say, like, even, like, the mid-tier teams at the time, like Kansas State and Colorado, had great oh, offensive yeah. lines yeah. and great running backs. Ohio one year. Was it 2004, 2003? Was it Michael Bishop? And, I mean, they had they had some badasses, Kansas State. Always had an elite offensive line. Oh, it was uh, L. Roberson. L. Roberson, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that dude. Hey, Across the board, they were, Darren they were never in a soft spot. Or never. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd be playing against a no-name three-pick, and I mean, the guy would stuff. I mean, they just the whole team 
they just brought it every day. They just had that old school mentality about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the coaching was like, that was the other thing was the coaching was so consistently good across the board. And don't ask me why, for whatever reason, I went back and watched the 03 big toll title game against Kansas state like last year. And I, I just totally forgot. Cause obviously I don't want to remember that game as a fan, but um, what's his name? The guy who used to be the head coach at Arkansas. He was the head coach at Wisconsin. He was, he was Kansas state's defensive coordinator at the time. Um, I mean, just the coaching staffs on Kansas State, um, Texas, obviously, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State early on, just a plethora of guys that became head coaches all over the place. And I kind of think that the Big 12 is in a good spot with their current coaching staff or coaching staff across the conference right now. They're just all young and inexperienced. Yeah, so Bielema was the defensive coordinator on that team? No, um, he was the head coach, the the – He's the he's the fat guy that says uh, it was borderline erotic to uh, beat somebody. This was. I'm gonna have to look this up. I've got a computer right in front of me. So the best part about so so we're 11:34 in the first quarter here, and the thing that I noticed the most about this game and what had me so hyped up is, you know, both teams are throwing punches and both teams are landing some of them, but it's just the overall physicality that it looked like Oklahoma State belonged on the field. Like there's been there's been years where you see Bedlam and it's like, okay, OSU doesn't belong out there. Like, they're just not up to it. They don't have enough in the tank. And they clearly were meet, meeting the physicality. Now, OSU's out there hitting them, there's no doubt. But Oklahoma State was answering the call. The kids were there to play. They, they were excited to play. This two, two offensive series where, you know, Mason Rudolph, who at this point is one of the better quarterbacks in the country, was just they, – they, they're not calling the number to throw the damn ball down the field. A couple of sideline passes, let's run the ball. Just super conservative play calling for Mike Gundy and Bedlam over the years. It's just – it's like a failure to launch. It's like he can't get himself up for this game. He can't get motivated to get aggressive in this one. And it's really been since day one. Bob Stoops, notorious, the photographs of Bob Stoops and Mike Gundy in the middle of the field for Bedlam are iconic as Bob is just staring at Mike. And Mike is just looking back and it's like, you know, the, what, one of these things is, is not the same. You know, it just – it's always been an intimidation factor. And it just continued with Lincoln. Yeah. Um, by the way, it was Brett Bielema. That was the guy. Um, no, I mean, the thing with this game and the game the following year, it kind of went – they kind of went in similar fashions. Like, OSU was in the game and probably controlled it in the first half in both seasons, but just a player two there or a missed player two there really kept OU in it. And then in the second half, it's a little bit of a different story. It probably just goes to the depth. Like, OSU's always – Every two to three years, they're going to have frontline talent that can probably go with Oklahoma. It just really comes down to the depth. Yeah, I mean, the way, way I can always tell in these games, anytime, I mean, especially a team comes into Norman and being there in the stands watching it, I mean, there's going to be big plays. There always is in the Big 12 because people take shots. But you can always tell by, well, that play right there, if the offensive line is coming off – pushing them back or if they got holds. Right now they got holds. A lot of them. So, I mean, they're playing a legit team. I mean, it's kind of like when they started off against Army, that's kind of what it looked like. So, oh, geez. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, I mean, they're playing a physical team that's bringing it. And that's 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 what you want to see as a fan. There, I mean, it's nice to see them come out and put half a hundred on somebody at halftime and you leave. But, I mean, it's 
I want to see a football game in person that I'm going to remember. Yeah, that's true. And you know what's funny is that's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous what he just said. <laughs> I was I was going to say. <laughs> I know you enjoy, like, screw that. But it's the football player mentality. Like, I love watching football games Memorial Stadium. Like, that Army game, I was glued to my – I sat in the stands with that one, too. My dad went to West Point, and I, I just wanted to see it out in the, in the stands where I could watch it. And it was one of the best games I've seen in 20 years, and it was fantastic to watch. No, it'd be one of those things where if I'm a Ohio, diehard Ohio State fan and I flip through the channels, even though this game that game was on pay-per-view, but if I flip through the channels and I see that Army is about to beat Oklahoma and Norman – I'm going to be glued to, glued to my television set just going like, this is amazing. Like a triple option team is about to run roughshaw over the University of Oklahoma. Like I'm going to watch that game start to finish. As an OU fan, it's like, okay, like just please kick their ass at some point. I, w- I don't want so many years of my life waste, like just r- ruined. I don't want to lo- lose three years of my life just from the heart failure that this game is causing. But um, I'll ask you guys this. And I don't even know if you could really – I mean, I'm sure you guys could speculate, and that's kind of the point of the question. But as offensive linemen, let's pretend instead of coming out in the late 90s when you guys were in, um, in high school, going into oh, – Hold on one second, Brady. I just got go ahead. This. All right, so Mason, once again, just going along with the same damn theme about Oklahoma State showing up for this game. Mason Rudolph was not what I would call a running quarterback in any sense of it. Like, he's just not. This is a guy that's going to drop back, throw the football down the field. The play that he just made in this game, it's a 15-yard scramble. The dude slid, got up, and he's clearly, like, hyped up. You got to – there's, like, a failure by Mike Gundy to evaluate momentum in football games or, like, the emotional – like, what, what emotion and energy will do for an offense's ability. Like, when they're playing, let them fucking play. Like, right now, they are playing their asses off. I mean, this is a great drive. There's a lot of energy there. That next play right there should have been a drop back pass, throw it down the field 40 yards. Let's see if somebody's going to make a play. But it's just like he's, he's playing to stay in the game. You know what I mean? Like that's what he's trying to do. He's coaching it. Well, they're on the field. They're moving the chains. So let me just run the clock. The score is zero fucking zero. No, and they're winning at the point of attack. Like every single – even that play, that play, that was just blown up by Jordan Thomas making a play from the linebacker position. The, the offensive line won that, won that play just – or Jordan Evans, excuse me. Jordan Evans just made a play. I do love that formation for Oklahoma State, though. The diamond. I missed just the big diamond. Plays, man. Just big plays. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys showed up. Yeah, we're five minutes into the sucker, and they, they absolutely showed up. They look like the more physical football team in this quarter so far. And OU's given them. OU has showed up absolutely, but Oklahoma State is winning. They're winning the line of scrimmage on every play on both sides right now. No, it's this uh, this 2016 team. It's you know it's a little up and down for me whenever I try to remember it, but because obviously they lose to Houston and they get destroyed by Ohio State and Norman, just embarrassed. And sometimes that ha- that happens in football, obviously, but. It was just one of these things where, and there's Blake Jarwin, who just got paid. Um, it's just one of those things where I'm like, obviously this OU team is talented, but anytime they play, they've played somebody, and this is my thoughts in this game at the moment, anytime they've played somebody that had some similar talent this season, they've not necessarily answered the call. And 
we'll we'll see it once we get to that point at the end of the first half. But OSU just they have this game. And I just remember being so pissed in the stadium going, like, what the hell are they doing? Right. Like, wh- where, where is the momentum? Where is the energy? Uh, the offense is going backwards a lot of the time. Samaj P. Ryan, of all people, fumbled his first play. I'm just like, are they all prepared? Are they ready? Or is OSU just flat out a better team right now? Yeah, I remember thinking, are we, we going to go through this again? <laughs> this is going to be a three-loss season with this roster? I mean, yeah. yeah Part of it. I mean, you, know, you got we're not loaded on defense, but I mean, you got a bunch of guys that are playing in the league on that defense. Do you think that they've tried to put thirty pounds on Caleb Kelly to see if we can play defensive end? Oh, Caleb, like, I, I feel so bad for him. I that dude, like I, if he had gone anywhere, if he would have gone anywhere else with a basically a consistent coaching staff on defense and especially a, a, a coaching staff that can identify what his strengths are. He's a great, he's a great pass rusher. So yeah, if, if it comes down to like getting him a little bit bigger to make him a defensive end, he, I feel like he, he's much better than what he's shown. I feel like they, uh, I, I can't imagine that I, I'm just smarter than everybody at the university of Oklahoma. I'm sure they try. I guess he might be just one of those guys that can't gain weight. Like, if you think about it, this is the prime opportunity to put on some weight for him. He missed the whole last damn season. You know, the fact that he's not walking around at 265 right now is just – I don't yeah, understand I it. he's going to come back a monster. Yeah. I mean, after looking at him, I mean, what did he come in at? 6'4", 218? Yeah, and he's been there. I mean, he looked like a I safety mean, with a there. straight line, built Yeah, out. I mean, I bet he's 235 now, probably, 230. But I just oh. feel like he's wasted in the position that he plays. Yeah. They fumbled. That's that Big 12 offense is they're not used to being under center. Uh, there you go. <laughs> okay, so like right there in that moment, you know, like right there, the best thing for Mike Gundy to come back and do offensively would be, you know what, we played our ass off in that series. We fucked this up. We're going to go three points here. I get it, right? We played our asses off. Let's go right back out there and show that I've got confidence in my football team to execute. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched this game. I have never rewatched this game. But I'm going to go ahead and guess what will happen in the next series is they'll be real damn conservative. No, I'm always of the opinion, unless you have been destroyed an entire game at the line of scrimmage, unless that's the case, always go for it on fourth and inches on the goal line. Because if you don't get it, well, then your opponent now has to go 99 yards or try to flip the field at, at worst. I don't get it. One of the big reasons why, and this is like a weird thought, but one of the big reasons why OU came back and beat Tennessee in 2015 was Tennessee goes down the field on their first drive on offense. They get down to the goal line, and OU stops them in two plays, and they kick a field goal. It's like you're at home. You're trying to like like bring Tennessee football program back. You've got Oklahoma in town, and you kick a field goal, and that ends up helping OU come back and win. It's just that conservative, soft-ass play calling. Yeah. I mean, you got to go for it. I mean, don't get out of your element. I mean, don't don't put yourself in that situation. If what you're doing is working, just keep doing it. Yeah, especially OSU, like like we've said, OSU's won the point of attack on all these plays. And the only reason why that didn't work was because Mason just dropped the football. It wasn't because OU's defensive line just kind of answered the call. Like, Mason just dropped it. I would also love, you know, and this is going to come off as me being just a dick about it, 
but the play call, he was clearly going to hand it off. Right. So yeah. he wasn't I, sneaking. Yeah. I would have loved to see him pass the ball in that scenario. Like the thing that I also feel like Mason Rudolph really never got was dared to be great. Like at some point you have to push kids. You got to push them to be great. Like he's a damn good football player, left damn good football player. But why not put the ball in his hands in the first quarter, tied zero zero, and tell him to go friggin' fire that pigskin in there and get a touchdown? I know. You know I feel like, like I feel like you could easily script a all right, just go under center, play action, find the tight end. If nobody's there on your first read, just throw it out of bounds, and we'll still go for it on the next down. I feel like you could easily script that. Yeah, I mean, if you got that quarterback with the weapons that he had against this defense that year, which was statistically horrible. I mean, I'd just let him go out slaving the first two series. At some point, they're going to let you catch back up with him. Now, Wes, this is the part of the show where I'm going to ask you a question, and you can choose whether or not how honest you want to be. And maybe you have a glowing opinion about this person but I don't want you I don't want you to say anything or feel like you're you could possibly get in trouble what are your thoughts on Mike Stoops as a defensive coordinator because you obviously played on teams where Mike Stoops uh was the defensive coordinator and oh you had one of the better defenses in the country uh this is obviously second stick Mike Stoops so uh, if you have to differentiate that's fine as well I mean the Mike Stoops I saw, he was there with Brent Venables, and Mike handled the back half, and Brent handled the front half, and it worked out perfect. But, you know, when he came back, I I don't know what what all he had gone through in his career being out there in Arizona and everywhere else, but uh, it, it wasn't working out here. <laughs> could, it, could, it, could it be something as simple as the Big 12 that he left initially when he took the Arizona job? Um, when he came back, it was a much different roster pool of talent. It was a much different philosophy. It wasn't just OU doing the air raid anymore. Oh, it was everybody. The inception of the air raid. I mean, when when he came in, OU was the first team to do it, and then Texas Tech did it, and then after that, it just kind of spread like wildfire. So, yeah. so by the time he came back, everybody was doing it. Um, and it – it was a whole new ball game for him. And plus he didn't have some of the horses that he was accustomed to the first time around. And he's having to go up against that style of defense. I mean, it, 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 it was kind of set up to fail, but I mean, it, it, it worked out how it did. Yeah. We're in the four minute and 10 second mark of the first quarter. I don't think we've said Baker Mayfield's name once yet, but yeah. there he is. <laughs> Which it's his birthday today, apparently. It's his I saw on Twitter. Hopefully he's not like Dak Prescott and having a party with fifty people in it. Actually Dak sent out a statement today that said that wasn't true. Oh really? Yeah, said ten people were less than ten people were at his house and he's offended by it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Oh wow. Where, yeah, did, the, it, where it, did the story come from? I don't even know. Yeah. But. So he got in trouble. I didn't even see that. He got in yeah, trouble for having a party. Yeah, so he called the police and they said there were 50 people there. And he came out with a statement today that was less than 10. Oh, they called the police for some mm-hmm. gathering. You know, if it was like nine people and they got the cops calling them because someone said, it sounds like there's 50 people over there, like, hell yeah, it's like we're that cool at partying. There's just nine, nine of us. Stars. <laughs> right. 
like a party at Sam Mays's house. Not these days. The one, the the one, the first one out of quarantine is going to be stupid, though. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's weird to hear your voice echo in this house. Usually, once you say something, it's eaten up by all the other people that are here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's eerily quiet in here. Yeah, it's it's quiet everywhere. I um. I went and got some food. I went back to my parents' house during quarantine because my apartment's too small in Oklahoma City. And it's right off 23rd Street. And so everything there is pretty much closed. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to go back to my parents' house because it's bigger. This is going to be for a long time. I might as well enjoy myself. But I drove into town, into Norman a few days ago to go get some food. And I drove by Campus Corner. And God, it was so weird. It was just dead. It was like at three o'clock in the afternoon. There's just obviously good. It's good that no one's there. Everyone's yeah. doing, being the responsible person, but this sucks. This looks like Christmas day or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like Christmas day, but it like, it was a few days ago. It was back when it was warm and there's justice Hill being a badass. I'll tell you right now, you're, it's three thirteen in this game and Oklahoma state looks like the better football team. And Oklahoma is scratching their head offensively. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and then and then I had to look forward to Justice Hill as an OU fan for another year. And I'm just like, well, this sucks. Because the defense, I, I assumed, well, they're not going to get much better next year. I mean, what, what's this going to do? Yeah, just keep running it. I don't that's a broken play. I'd hope. Yeah. Unless, unless Gundy wants Mason to start running the sprint option. Yeah, somebody <laughs> went the wrong way. I feel like I think maybe the quarterback did. Or there was a missed call or something. Yeah. It happens, right? <laughs> Every once yeah. in a while. Somebody <laughs> threw something. Like it doesn't look like a proper RPA, though. <laughs> That's one guy I would have liked to have seen get a lot more of the ball his last two. Mm-hmm. And who's OSU's like badass receiver? Is it still like James Washington's on this team, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, he gets one big deep ball, I think, towards the end of the second quarter at some point. Yeah, Brady, I remember. Uh. <laughs> No, like averaging close to five yards of carry at this point in the game. I mean, just well oiled inside, outside. They've done everything but throw the damn ball down the field a bunch. Here's the weird thing: if this, if this had happened, this game had happened a year later, they'd have just played each other the following week because this is the last year before the Big Twelve Championship got its championship game back. Like the next year, oh, you play TCU in Dallas for the Big 12 title game. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. And if football does happen this year, I mean, that's probably the good thing about OU and OSU being a little bit in the middle of the season because we don't, we probably won't have the uh, likelihood that they'll play just again the following week. I don't like that at all. It adds a, it adds a little difficulty for sure. Like, you know, the, the coaching staff comes into play way more in a situation like that and their ability to get their kids to process information quickly 
So, like, Lincoln probably has the advantage there because I would say Riley's offense from a week-to-week calls that could change or schemes that change. Blocking, you know, like, I, I feel like there's a lot given to these kids each and every week, like like NFL teams, which is, I think, why they you've seen such ease in their transition at Oklahoma from OU to the NFL. So, I think Riley kind of has an advantage in a situation like that because I think they just do more. Like, the, the whole point of the spread offense is for it to be simple. You know what I mean? It doesn't change a whole lot. I mean, Lincoln says that all the time. It's like, well, first of all, like, it's supposed to be quarterback friendly. If you're not doing a quarterback friendly offense, you're doing something wrong. And it's, we're not here to like outsmart you. Like, out scheming and outsmarting, I feel, are two different things. You out scheme like during the game. If you're trying to outsmart somebody, you're trying to do that before the game even starts. And it's kind of futile because you don't know what the hell they're doing. I think that plays a big factor, though. That's a factor in a game where you play back to back weeks. You have to outsmart somebody. Something you know. Now you're playing chess. Yeah. Yeah. All day. That's two. It's two drop picks. God. No. Well, I guess it makes sense. It's a. It's into the red zone. I was about to bitch about punt safe teams again. Punt safe coverage. You want to go for the block every time? No. Like. It bit OU in the ass the previous year. So Bob started doing this after, basically after the 2007 OU-Colorado game where OU lost in Boulder. Reggie Smith fumbles the punt late in the game. Colorado kicks a field goal and wins. From that point on, Bob really just started running punt safe every single punt situation. And in 2015, Sterling Shepard, all he was told to do, just catch the ball, go back on offense the guys on the line would just run five yards forward and then stop. So basically, like, their aggression is just taken out of the play, and special teams is just like, eh, it doesn't matter. It's just a bridge to the offense. Well, then you fast forward to the Orange Bowl against Clemson, and they run a fake punt. And you would think you're in punt safe. Well, that stops fake punts, right, on paper. Well, OU had no idea what to do because that's all they did all season long. They just got to a point where they weren't thinking. They were just – Oh shit! He's actually like, what do we do? Oh, it's a forty-yard, it's a forty-yard pass to a third-string tight end. Oh damn it, that's our bad. But to me, it's like that's what happens when you just take aggression out of the game of football. From even if it's a small unit like your punt return team, but that's just me being crazy. I'm a crazy OU fan. I'm sorry. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. I miss Baker. I miss Kyler, too. That's the first or the second first step? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, the first quarter just ends in this game. We're watching the 2016 Bedlam matchup between the Sooners and the Cowboys. The first quarter, if you were, if you were scoring this like a, a boxing scorecard, 100% unanimous because Oklahoma State. Yeah. I mean, that, the, that last play, though, you made at the, at the end of the first quarter there was the second big play of the game for them, and it wasn't even like – I'm not talking 50 yards. Like, they had a 20-yard completion. It's, it's amazing how Oklahoma State controlled the first quarter. Yeah, OU has run sideways, backwards, had two positive pass plays, and then fumbled already. They recovered the fumble. But, yeah, like, obviously the elements are affecting OU, but they're not affecting OSU. It's not affecting the, the line of – the point of attack. They're not affecting their uh, Justice Hill being able to run downhill. Um, for whatever reason, P. Ryan Mixon aren't able to get a big push early on. But, um, as we all know, that – that tune does change. I can't believe it's not 10 or 14 to nothing right now. 
Well, it should be seven nothing OSU. I mean, or at oh, the yeah. very least, just I mean, tied at zero. Herself in the foot, but they should have scored there too. You know, if they if they go for it and punch it in seven zero on that previous drive where they had that big Justice Hill run, you could potentially go up fourteen to nothing on the road, and that just completely changes the game for OU's offense. They can't really get cute with trying to be balanced. Like they have to just basically say. All right, we got to beat them through the air during a rainstorm where people are slipping all over the place and people aren't really able to run their routes very crisp. We'll see if that affects the OU offense moving forward. It's going to be a big surprise. And here we go, D.D. Westbrook doing his f***ing thing. Oops. Yeah. There it is. And here we go. Yeah, Westbrook might not have had much of a body, but as far as just being a dynamic runner, I don't know that there was a better receiver in the country this year. He just was electric. You know, a little bit taller than your, your, your normal scat back type guy, but he can move like that. Just stop on a dime. Awesome player. Yeah, he was fun to watch. See, and this is the weird thing is the coverage other than on Didi was great initially. That play was just that play was able to happen because Baker just bought time. Right. When you're able to buy time, like as a cornerback, you don't you don't know where the ball's going. You don't you probably don't even know where the quarterback is as you're chasing Didi Westbrook around. Didi knows where he's going. That's what makes it so difficult. But um I mean that that's kind of the thing when you're playing a team like OU. You can be you can dominate a quarter defensively and kind of look, look at yourself going, hey, we're in this game, we're controlling it, and then all it takes is one big play, and all then right. all that goes out the window. I feel like Mayfield's one of the biggest things he's going through in the NFL right now is when you look at remember plays like that, uh, you know, he, he was notorious for those things. That was a part of his arsenal in Oklahoma, and now that's just not the case, you know, with the Browns. He can't extend plays like that, but he's still trying to. Yeah. Yeah, he – I mean, Mayfield, like I said last year a lot, Joe Burrow looked so much like Mayfield his senior year. I mean, his ability to extend plays, and it seemed like he always found his man on second or third and long after he avoided two or three sacks. He'd make the completion every time. And that's – I mean, it was that same feeling. But once you get into the NFL and you don't have – that kind of an offensive line blocking for you anymore. I mean, and players that probably aren't on that same page with you because you haven't got to spend that that much amount of time with them like they do in college. So, I mean, it's going to take time to build up that up and definitely to build them up an offensive line. You know, I give my gummy shit for not throwing a damn ball down the field. But once again, like there's a reason Mason Rudolph was a third-round freak pick. Like when you got the guy complete the pass. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. That looked like that looked like he didn't even have control of the ball ever, like when he was throwing it. It looked like he just threw that with all bicep. Just, ugh, take it. This is a visual I mean, medium. Well, I mean, that guy shouldn't have dropped that pass. But good Lord, put it in the chest, he might score a touchdown. Yeah, he never should have had the breaks back. Right. I mean, going back to Baker, if you, if you go by what he says, he's blaming it all on um, he bulked up going into his second year and he lost a little bit of his speed. I don't, I don't really know how much of that is actually a thing because even in his rookie year, he wasn't 
outrunning people. And I never thought that he would be a guy that could outrun anybody. He couldn't outrun people in college. He's just shifty. Right. He's a gifted runner. He is. He's a gifted runner. You know, not he's or he's a talented runner, not a gifted runner. You know, like he didn't have the speed to be Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson by any means, but he's got a pocket awareness is a very rare, surprisingly rare skill to have in at the quarterback position because not even guys like like I wouldn't say Mason Rudolph had great pocket awareness. He kind of reminded me of Landry Jones in that if he's pointing one direction. Rarely did he ever feel heat from the backside. And if you stand in the pocket too long, that could result in turnovers. And it happened to Landry a lot. Um, oh, hi, Mike. What's up, Kale Gundy? Kale, get on the sideline. What are you doing up there? <laughs> Mike's like, what's that f***ing camera doing on me? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like it's so weird. Like on a second viewing, like like you said, like you've been saying, Sam, like OSU has like dominated this game, and they just all of a sudden punt, and they and then they are all of a sudden down seven to three. Right. Yeah, like yeah, like I said, oh, you made that one big play at the end of the first quarter, but Oklahoma State just really controlled this game, and then it just starts to slip. But I, it, two things happen. There is definitely some player error here. Like I said, Mason Rudolph not making plays in the passing game that he should make. Um, and, you know, the reason they only have three points on the board, maybe because they fumbled that snap, which they shouldn't happen. So that's player issues there. But as the players make those mistakes, I feel like it chips away at Mike's confidence also. And it just gets – so now with the, you know, with the uh, – you know, the moments where Oklahoma is winning the line of scrimmage and Oklahoma State has to punt, so I feel like Mike loses a little bit of swagger each and every time. Instead I mean, of seeing that it's a fourth, it's a championship game against your rival on the road. There's only one way to coach yeah. it. And Dimitri's wide open. He'd do that a lot. I miss Dimitri Flowers. No, I would imagine from a coaching perspective, Sam, um, like when you're the underdog, like you can either go into it with one of two ways and you have like a good, you have a good roster on your team. You can go at it from a conservative point of view, which I would assume the further along the game goes and you don't have the lead, the further along the game goes, well, their depth takes control and then your lack of aggression takes its toll on you. You can go into it that way or you can just be the crazy, I don't give a fuck attitude. You can have like a Mike Leach attitude of like, um, oh, we'll, we'll go for it on fourth down from our own 25. We don't give a fuck. We're not scared. Um, I, I would assume that you would prefer Mike Gunny to have that mentality more so than just this. Let's try and play as clean as possible. Let's try to do the, what people would consider the smart thing here. Dimitri Flowers, you know, that's a guy that's, you know, when you think NFL draft, you're like, yeah, of course he's going to get drafted, you know, fourth, fifth round, get an opportunity, but there's just really not a home for a player like that in the NFL right now. There, there just isn't. Which is odd, which is odd to me because it's had some, that Dimitri Flowers, because he's basically the only example, 
maybe Braden Willis can become that type of player in a Lincoln Riley offense in his in the following seasons. Um, but I thought their offense, like even with Kyler, really missed having a Dimitri Flowers type. And you would assume because the NFL is like, all right, we're going all in on this, you know, quarterback driven, wide open kind of air raid kind of t- tendency to offenses that that position hasn't really caught on in the NFL. I don't, I don't know for what reason, because Dimitri was just always called a Swiss army, Swiss army knife in the offense. Geno Lewis catches a touchdown for OU. Um, I just don't know how it hasn't caught on just yet. Or do we have a hold or was there a pick? Bob Stoops can't believe it. You know, the one thing about Dimitri also, though, you know, you tell me, because how tall is he six foot? I interviewed no. him oh, like the, I interviewed him for the franchise like the second month I started working for the station, and I'm five foot 11. He was barely taller than me. Yeah. See, that, that's, you know, and you never really notice it just watching it. But when you look at his body, he's not, it's not, you know, he's 6'2, six 6'3. Six and he's that player. He probably does have a home. And he was a little bit, you know, and he wasn't blazing fast. Like that last the big play that he made, you know, most guys looking at the NFL are going to score from that far out. Yeah. Geno Lewis is all arms. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's Dude a, looks like a tight end. And I, and I guess, according to Bob Stoops himself, like he, he came into this game knowing this would be his final home game at Owen Field. Still kind of odd. There's Joe. Oh, Joe drops a touchdown. So our, our mutual friend, Sam Mays, uh, Keegan Renault. Yeah. I, I just want, I want to know where you stand on this because I – vehemently disagreed with him but he said something like joe mixon is the most talented running back at ou like since the stoops era um i'm gonna say no to that one i mean because adrian peterson's probably the best running back to play at ou since you know over the last 30 years i think everybody would probably agree with that but i would say in terms of versatility playmaking ability i think demarco is a little bit better than joe i think joe just has like LeBron James, God-given talent. But I think DeMarco is just a little bit better. I don't know. Okay. What a great I, – I will 100% agree with DeMarco is a – DeMarco is a, is a guy that's in the right offense what's going to be a rushing title winner, which he wants. You know, he's going to be that type of, of player. He's got a home for sure. He's a very good running back. But Joe Mixon, I'm just telling you, I've, I've seen some incredible athletes in the last 20 years. I've played with some. I've played against some. I'm on the field with guys like Vince Young. I know what he is physically. Joe Mixon is – and Adrian Peterson. Like, if that's what – it's Adrian Peterson one and Joe Mixon two is hard fights. Like, when I watched his pro day, it was like a joke. It was like, he, why, why does he move like that? And he's that big. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. The, the hips swivel. I've never been more impressed with a guy and just the way that he can move. He's the freak. Freak. I mean, Wes, was Adrian Peterson the best player that you either were a teammate of or just like a contemporary player? Like talking Vince Young, Reggie Bush, like guys that played at the same time you were 
in college football at OU? I mean, is AD the best, or was there someone that you felt was just edged him a little bit? No, I think as far as all-around generational players, I mean, it's him by a long shot. I mean, I don't know where he stands on, like, the college Hall of Fame, but he's in the NFL Hall of Fame. I mean, how many of those other guys are going to be saying that? Right. I mean, the fact that I played with him, I mean, that's – and he's still playing. I mean, I can tell my kids, hey, that block for that guy. <laughs> he's still playing somehow. But, I mean, it's he's – like he said, I mean, he's just a freak. He was day one when he showed up. We've never seen anybody that looked like that at 17 or 18 years old. And then when his dad came and got out of prison and came to a practice and, uh, and saw him, and his dad was, I don't know, mid, late 40s, right. and looked just like him. Oh, so yeah. I mean, like, every time they show him on the sideline, I'm like, that dude could put some pads on him. That dude yeah, could play I mean, right now. And I was like, wait, what? It's like, I mean, like, just like him, but a couple inches shorter than me. <laughs> I think in this game right now, like Mason clearly is having some ball grip issues. That was the second, that was the same route. That's deep slant to uh, James Washington and it's overthrown both times or underthrown both times. Just looks uncomfortable throwing. God, I hate quarterbacks. I would imagine you do because you could be doing your job 100% kicking someone's ass and then you turn around and notice he's either been sacked because he held the ball too long or he missed an easy throw. No, I, let me, let me refer. I love quarterbacks. I, I love them. I love my quarterbacks I played with at Oklahoma State. Uh, quarterbacks are cool and there's always going to be that relationship between quarterbacks and, and offensive linemen. I, what I hate about quarterbacks though is – what you just did there is what people, when quarterbacks make mistakes, it's a, you know, he's having a grip issue or he's having a hard time getting his footing and he's uncomfortable throwing the football. And I'm just, yeah, you know, I'm like, that's, you know, someone's giving you reasons of why you look like that. When I make a mistake, it's like, what the fuck is a fat guy doing? Like, why did he move his feet? Why didn't he win that? You know what I mean? Like, there's no excuses made. You're, uh, he's soft. He just didn't go make a play. You know, like quarterbacks, Oh, it's it's a, it's all technical all the time. I lose, and it's you just weren't good enough. You know, you got that man kicked your ass. Yeah, inflation or kick. I mean, the picks are bad, but they don't get scrutinized for a pick the way that you do for a second. Oh yeah, yeah. You throw an interception. Oh, get over, it, buddy. Pat on the butt. You get you let the quarterback get sacked. Game over. You're worthless. Yes. Oh, Didi. How many did you give up at OU? Do you know? I I gave up. I will never. I gave up three in my first game. My first against Missouri, freaking Justin Smith. Played for the Niners for like 13 years. First round draft, they beat the shit out of me. The little Sam, freshman Sam Mays. And then I gave up one to Johnny Jolly my senior year. So I gave up a total. Oh, Johnny Jolly. He's, yes. the du- he's, he's the dude who celebrated like when he made a stop on the goal line against OU and Norman when they were down 77 nothing. Was Was that the same guy? What was that? 
Was he the Was he the guy that made a that he celebrated after getting a stop against you guys in '03, down seventy seven to nothing, and like the entire stadium just said, "What the f are you cheering oh, for?" Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm pretty sure I remember that guy for a different reason. Yeah, he was but, good. He played in the NFL for a, a a bit. Yeah, there was there was a lot of them. I mean, like I I was always. The, the opposite happened to me in college. Like, I gave up less sacks earlier than I did later. But, <laughs> I mean, my senior year was better. My junior year wasn't the best. But uh, my my freshman year, I played against Julius Peppers and Ryan Sims <laughs> in my first game. <laughs> and that was a shit show. Because they moved me into guard so I didn't have to block Peppers. And Ryan Sims was the three technique. So that was nice of him. But I didn't give up a sack. I mean, I got beat a few times, but he got the ball out. So yeah, that was my claim to fame. I didn't give up a sack against either one of them. Oh, hell yeah. God, yeah, I didn't even realize that. Your first game was against Julius f***ing Peppers. <laughs> That's yeah. That's wild that both of our first games were against Hall of Famers. Oh, yeah. Like, wrap your head around that. That's funny. And they're both old, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because those were the seniors. seniors. They're both seniors. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you guys would have to play. Then you guys had to play Texas every year. Those were first round draft pick. That's funny as hell. And then you guys had to play Texas every year when they were actually Texas and had NFL talent all over their defense. Oh, yeah. Texas' defensive line. But there's. They were. Yeah, man. Like, I. I they, were, they were. I'm a Dolphins fan. They drafted Roderick Wright. I was excited for it and bust. Was angry to this they, day. They were there to look good. I mean, they and that was that was all their strike coach, Mad Dog. They just wanted to see how big they could get, and um, that was some, about the end of it. I mean, they'd come out the first couple drives and hit a little bit, and then after that, they would just pat you on the back and say, "Good job." I mean, there was they had the Crowder kid that was good, and then Marcus Tubbs was on those teams earlier. He yeah, was a Tubbs. Tubbs, Tubbs, was, Tubbs was a grown ass man. Good. Yeah. But, man, there was – The thing about Texas that was hard back then more than anything, and OU didn't – Weston had this – I mean, it, it's, it was just that they just kept coming. Like, yeah. there was like – you know what I mean? So, like, for Oklahoma State, we never had the depth to deal with eight defensive linemen like that, you know, for four quarters of football. They just would eventually just wear everybody down. Um, but OU's defensive line at that time, you want to talk about some – the combination of defensive line and linebackers, it was just unbelievable. What the hell is Joe doing there? What kind of a flea flicker is that? <laughs> yeah. No, who was the uh, D lineman you guys had, Sam? I think I think he was on the teams that you played for. He played for the Vikings for like – Yes. Yeah. That dude was yeah. a monster because he played on yeah. the Adrian Peterson Vikings teams. And like he was, he was in the league by his eighth and ninth year and just still destroying people. That guy was a freak. I played against him there – and then we played against them when I was in San Diego in the preseason. Yeah. And they had him and Ted Williams. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Ted they Williams were so good. One of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in my life. They were so good. Oh. He weighed about 420. Oh, Williams, I forgot about that play. Oh, yeah. We have a little bit of uh, some shenanigans going on. Oh, Williams got big. Ba- Baker just ha- hung D.D. Westbrook out to dry, but. <laughs> Duck. Oh, God. 
Yeah, he got smoked there. Okay. And I, did they call this targeting? I don't remember. I think they called it taunting because the guy, not the guy who made the hit, but somebody's like shit talking Didi, like basically kind of over him, but he keeps backing up. And I think that's what they call. It wasn't. It wasn't Phillips. It's the dude with dreadlocks. It wasn't Stearns. It's that guy, number seven. I think they call taunting on him. He's done. Out cold. That's how you you know how you always go and do attack concussions. Their Ooh. hands will go. Like yeah. Yeah. No, my uh my dad and I watched the 2011 OU Florida State game in Tallahassee, and like in the first quarter, Tom Wirt, Javon Harris, Sandwich, Ryan Shaw, um, a Florida State receiver going into the end zone. They just sandwich the fuck out of him. He drops the ball and he falls on his back and his hands just go up. And it's like he is knocked the fuck out. Yeah, he's out. What color are you wearing, Dee? It's a Saturday, coach. Oh God. God, the helmet makes it look worse. <laughs> Mike Pereira, bless his heart, he always has to be on call for these things. Just to be like, well, it's clearly targeting, as you can see. But let's move forward. I want to watch the games, too. Yeah, I think Didi's done for the day. Oh yeah, yeah. And look at that. You got the wobbly, wobbly legs. Halfway through the second quarter, and he had a solid day. Yeah, he did. Oh, he dropped the ball. I, I didn't even, I didn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> he dropped his hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, Dee, this is how they're gonna hit in the NFL. Oh shit. And that, that, and he has to play for Jacksonville. Bless, bless his heart. Smallwood, that is another freak of an athlete. Yeah, especially just had some good moments though. Burns is a grown ass man on this OSU defense. Like you're just yeah. one of those dudes that just the, the safety here that just knocked out Westbrook, like grown man. Look at Mayfield. Look at that. Mm. Gosh. Both quarterbacks just kind of sucking. Oh, Jeffrey Mead. Yeah, so the the OSU defense. You know, so 650 in the second quarter, and the OSU defense has basically played their asses off. Outside of Westbrook doing what, you know, elite receivers do, they've covered it up pretty good. It's been difficult to run the football. I mean, they're doing everything that you could really ask for, especially considering Oklahoma State had just turned it over pretty quick, you know, turned over and downs pretty quick. Last two series weren't very long, and they're still out there balling out. I mean, you just – there's still a ton of fight was six minutes, 43 seconds ago in the, in the second half. And, and OSU was in this game. Like, 10-3 is, 
you know, like there's sometimes I've seen 10, three games and you're like, God, it's they're one score away from it being over. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. this is, hey, this is a, this is a damn good football game. Yeah. This is in a, in the wild west of offenses, 10-3. I mean, in the Big 12, you never know when this could blow up to be a 48-50 or if it's going to be a 31-3. Well, mean, see, you really know. for Oklahoma State, it seems like everybody except for Mason Rudolph and Mike Gundy believes that they can win this game. But Mason and Mike, and Mike Gundy are just like, eh. I'll do – I guess I'll do this. But, like, the OSU's defense is humming. The offensive line is getting off the, um, getting off the line of scrimmage and dominating OU's defensive line. The running backs are getting making plays. Mason's just not throwing the ball well. And it's just to the point where OSU is about to become one-dimensional because the passing game isn't working. Neither is OU's, and their best receiver just got taken out of the game. And now they got OSU at a first and ten after a face mask. Manuel Beal, I don't, I don't think fourteen is a good number for a defensive player. <laughs> oh, there's a hold. <laughs> Look, kids out there making plays, though. Yeah, he's making, making making plays. I mean, I agree with you, Sam. Like, I would never consider Mason Rudolph a running quarterback, but he's right. athletic. Yeah, and especially his final year at OSU, like the handful of games I'd watch, and then of course Bedlam, I would have just always question, like, why aren't they running zone reads with him to keep the defenses honest? Because he's got he's got enough legs to make make a defense kind of hurt if they make the wrong decision on a read. Yeah, no, he, we didn't get we didn't get 70% oh. of what Rudolph could be. There's your, Pit, there's your Pittsburgh yeah. Steeler connection. Man, Jordan Thomas just did all you can do right there. There's not much Damn. He's stepped into that one, too. I mean, you want to talk about a – that's a hell of a play. Great ball, great catch. I mean, is it Mason or Duck Hodges, the future of the Steelers, Sam? Uh, I, I want them to trade JT Watt or TJ Watt to uh, – I want to trade TJ Watt and a fourth-round pick to the uh, Redskins until we can grab Tua. Oh, you want Tua? Yeah. God, I don't know. You like Tua that much? I, I don't like Mason Rudolph. Well. Or who, who's the other? Duck Hodges? Where's Pittsburgh drafting? Uh, 17th. Tua's responsible for two of the most efficient college seasons in college football history. You don't like you Jordan know? Love? No. Absolutely not. I, the fact that to his injury history is what hurts him, and the fact that people can't evaluate him right now because because of the Corona situation is going to keep him from potentially being drafted second. But I'm just telling you, this is a, the top two quarterbacks in this league to me are either it's a fifty you got a fifty fifty chance here. One of those dudes is going to be a Hall of Famer. Like one of those dudes is going to be in that list of 
great quarterbacks of the future if they can stay healthy. I think that's the kind of athlete that you're looking at, the kind of football player you're looking at. Both of them have unique skill sets. Both of them are extremely competitive, just football players. Well, it'll be whoever the Dolphins don't pick. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I gotta see. I gotta see Tua stay healthy the whole season before I can buy in on them. You give it up the number one pick. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals and the Dolphins come to you and say, "Hey, we uh, we're gonna give you our three first round picks for your first round pick," Cincinnati can't turn that down, right? Because their roster is so bad. Yeah, because I mean, even if if Joe Burrow is a if he's a future pro bowler, he's not turning that team around by right now or in the short term because Cincinnati has so much – they have so much more need than just quarterback. And it's football. You guys know this. You can have right. a badass player on offense, but you can still only win three games because if you have a suck-ass offensive line, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is if he can't stand back there and read defenses. I'd draft Chase Young and trade for a veteran quarterback that could spread the ball around a little better. I know, especially, right. especially – oh, go ahead, Sam. Oklahoma State just scores five minutes ago in the second half. It's 10-9. What was that, a 10-yard run by Chris Carson? Yeah. Just thumping OU's defensive front. Getting the – you know, they had that little waiver there at the end of the first quarter, but the offense is back to being physical, winning the line of scrimmage. This is a good, good-looking game, right? I mean, Oklahoma State with the lead. Or right now, now it's tied up 10-10. God, how did James Washington catch that? Jordan Thomas actually had – Excellent coverage on that play. He did everything right except turn his head, which is a uh, – that's a Kerry Cooks thing. What were you saying about – Is that saying, Madison? That's not Madison. Yes, it is. That is yes. Madison. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I now want OSU to lose this game just because I saw her. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, so you're saying you would draft if you were Cincinnati, you would draft Chase Young. You don't like Burrow or Tua. Do I, I have the number one pick in the draft? I'm taking the number one player in the draft. Wow. I kind of That's- agree. Chase Young, like, give me the dude who had to get triple teamed in college football every single game, and not just against like the shit teams of the Big Ten. I'm I mean, I'm talking in the Big Ten Championship. He got triple teamed. One of the best seasons ever, but he had one. And And how much of it? How much of it was Burrow? How much of it was Joe Brady? How much of it was the talent around him? I mean, mean, those are fair questions. Come on now. He looked. He's not going to have those advantages at Cincinnati. He looked a lot like Baker, and I mean. I like him. I would have liked to have seen him play one more year at that level or something near it. But I, I would I it does have a bit of a Mark Sanchez feel to it. You know, you have that one pretty damn good year at USC and he's only you know, given the opportunities he had to take it and he played pretty well. He gets drafted high, but you know the you know, the expectation coming up for him into his rookie season was ridiculous. So considering just one good season. But Burrow's deal was it wasn't a good season. Like it was it, I mean, I don't know that we can – it was, it was literally the greatest season a quarterback has ever had. And then when you look at the way that he closed, you know, the semifinal game, the championship game, I mean, the kid 
I don't know I've ever seen a performance quite like that. I mean, you're, you're, you could be talking about some, two of the greatest quarterback performances in college football history. Like, he, he didn't just do it big. He did it all-time big. Yeah, I know, Sam. I, I wanted I wanted to forget about the Peach Bowl. <laughs> yeah, he just he's good. Like he is. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want Chase Young over Burrow because I think Burrow is a bust or he's overrated by any means. The Bengals just have so much need, and it's not going to be fixed by a quarterback. And if you can't fix your team by basically getting a quarterback, especially when this this class is kind of deep and when Trevor Lawrence is going to be coming out next year as well, I've always felt like you need to fix, Hey, there's Kyler Murray. You need to fix O line D line first. Cause that's something that if you get your guy, he's there for 10 years. Yeah. I pictured Joe Burrow coming in and being like Sam Darnold for a couple of years. Oh, I hope not for his, for yeah, his I case. Chris Young coming in and being exactly the opposite. And more like Miles Garrett, his first couple. I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll pull out front and say, Sam Darnold didn't have one game in his college football history as good as one of Joe Burrow's in a senior season. Sam no. Darnold sucked. <laughs> with what he's walking into to work with. There. I see. So you think that Cincinnati is beyond Joe Burrow? They've I think that's fair. Good. All right. But I don't think that they have an offensive line shit or else we would have been talking about him in the playoffs last year. I agree. Still yeah, you're, you know what? I don't you're think not the quarterback's going to magically fix it. You're not wrong about that. How many picks does Cincinnati have? They just have the one first rounder? I think they just have the one. Okay. That's a poor front office. No, like, I'll die on this hill. Um, I think the only th- the one thing that Sam Bradford could not have avoided was the fact that he just he couldn't stay healthy. Like, you just couldn't avoid that. But St. Louis at the time was beyond any quarterback Bro, that they would have been able to draft. That's a great example. Like Sam yeah. had – Sam, great passer, accurate. When he had time, he was a great NFL quarter. He was a really good NFL quarterback, but couldn't stay healthy, and the Rams did little to help, help the fact. The Bengals are probably going to do that's, the same. That's kind of how I picture to his career. I, I see him just getting hurt a lot. And I don't think his passes quite have that zip on them that a top-tier quarterback has. I mean, maybe it's just me. But. I will say, though, like – and I say this even after the Peach Bowl, but what Tua did to Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl, that dude was just accurate as hell. And Joe Burrow was too, but I'm talking – not just necessarily accuracy, like stat numbers. I'm talking about throwing a football and – hitting a guy in stride in his hands. Tua just – when he's on, he's on. I just don't know if he's going to be able to be on in the NFL. Please, Oklahoma State, go into a shell so he can get the ball back, right? <laughs> right? Get it, amen. <laughs> Yeah, this game was kind of like I'm up in the stands with a buddy of mine. And as you can see, it's raining really hard this game. We had our ponchos on and everything. And he had his cell phone. He had his iPhone in a Ziploc bag. This dude was trying to booty call somebody, like drunk in the game, like during the second quarter. 
texting through his Ziploc bag onto his screen. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. This just pure desperation. But hey, we all get drunk and act like that sometimes. <laughs> not this year though you guys excited for the prospect of spring college football 2020 season no, <laughs> no i want it when i want it i want it in the fall but i mean like, i don't know we'll see everybody in our industry should hope that it gets back as soon as possible oh they're talking about playing it next spring right, yeah mm-hmm Yeah, because the hope is by this time next year, everybody has a vaccine. And it's just not a, oh, Mason, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do that, sir. Yeah, what I'm, this is what I'm talking about. Like, people were enamored with Mason Rudolph. Make, play, make plays in big games. Win big games. Sam, that was, my, that was my thing with Landry Jones as an OU fan for the longest time. It's the same frustrations. The, the talent is there. If you watch Landry Jones and Mason Rudolph like do a seven-on-seven drill, you're just like, that's the best quarterback I've ever seen. They've got arm, they've got accuracy, they've got everything you want. And then you put them in a game with some pressure, and then they make plays like that. Like you're just, you know, statistically just fantastic. But are you a football player? Your team has got all the momentum in the world. The offensive line is blocking their asses off. Running backs are running hard. The player that should not be responsible for stopping momentum is your quarterback, period. Unless you're a child, unless you got an 18 year old kid up there, like your quarterback should not be the one that stops momentum, and that's what just happened there. Well, he didn't mean to, Sam. He's trying his damnedest. Eat it, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, everyone's just having fun. Oh, oh, God! Oh, missed tackle. Is that McCluskey's on that is? Yeah. Man, like cheerleaders in Bedlam are just not safe. No, absolutely not. At either place. You got yeah. both sides to the wall. It's yeah. like that girl just got sandwiched to a brick wall. Oh, and then Mason just knocks over Jordan Thomas. Yeah, that's a big time play. Yeah, no, no more shots of Madison, please. <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't know she was a palm girl. Oh, yeah. Cheerleader? Palm girl, palm squad, yeah. Yeah, I told, big I, Mason Rudolph, big tough kid play. I told her that she can come on this, po- like, do a watch-along podcast, but I made the caveat that it has to be a game that you cheered for or that you watched. And she infamously has told me that she didn't watch the Tyreek Hill 2014 OU-OSU game. She was at an Aaron Carter concert in Tulsa. So the next time you see her, give her crap or talk to her. Give her crap for what, missing the game or the fact that she did something about Aaron Carter? I would say for both. Like, one, you miss Bedlam. Two, you're at an Aaron Carter concert? No, that is. No. (laughs) <laughs> I think he was like the younger brother of a Backstreet Boy. He was popular like in the early, early 2000s, but for like five minutes. Was she a cheerleader at that point? No, no. She, like Madison's a cheering, palming, dancing at this game. Like I think 2016 was her senior year. 
2014 was her freshman year or so, which makes me feel old because that's when I graduated from OU. What? Oh, what up, Tim Kish? What up? All right. Oh, he's got to do something with it because their offense hasn't really done anything outside of one big play or two big plays. What over there and rub no breakers on him. I guess somebody got to rub off on the play call. What do you think about the all-black tracksuit look for Mike Gundy, Sam? How would you grade this? I don't give a shit what Mike Gundy's wearing. <laughs> hey, what's going to happen here in a minute? I'm going to the halftime. Is this like <sighs> the beginning of the mullet right here? Is that what yeah, we're saying? I think so. Infancy yeah. of it? Or as, uh, Sam would, or as Sam would say, the beginning of the end. Yeah. I, the all black, the all black, I'm a fan of the all-black jumpsuit, though. Or tracksuit. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty slick. Uh, you know, as offensive linemen, Wes and I prefer all-black things. Yeah. They're slimming. Oh, did anybody give you shit for uh, – was it Nate Fakin or Dylan Buckingham from KFOR? They put out that footage of you from, like, 02 with the hoop earrings. Anybody give you shit oh, about that, yeah. Sam? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, just, just tell me, eat a bag of dicks, right? It's like it well, was cool back then. I still look exactly the same. Yeah, you you sounded different though, which I I mean, of course, that was over 15 years ago. We're going to change, but I was still I was like, wow, he doesn't sound like Sam Mays. Yeah, still got that baby face though. I'm looking good for 37, buddy. I turn 38 tomorrow. I know. Happy early birthday to you. I'm sorry it's uh, during the first global pandemic since the Spanish flu, but um, happy birthday. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Are strip clubs an essential business? No. What well, Wes, Wes and I, our, our birthdays are a week apart. So as soon as we get out of this deal, we're going to some lake somewhere, and I'm just talking. We're going to go to my, my lake, yes. And just light that sucker up. My annual birthday trip got canceled. So. Yeah, so we're gonna combine them. We're gonna have a bedlam birthday. <laughs> what lake y'all going to? Birthday bash. Jeff and me. Oh no! See, like this was um, probably the most pointless shirt I've ever bought. Was this one, Sam? It's a St. Patrick's Day shirt I bought a few a few weeks before St. Patrick's Day because I was looking forward to uh, our St. Patty's Day bash, uh, and that of course got that got ixnate as well. Sucks. What doesn't suck is OU's offense. They just all of a sudden woke up. Hey, you didn't get a come off the wagon in style, did you? No, I did not. I was sad I was going to miss it. I think that was right when everything got canceled. Right? Yeah. Oh, I feel like everybody's birthday is just going to suck for the next calendar year or for this calendar year. Everyone just bite the bullet. We'll all get drunk at some point together. Or just like this. All right, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. For the listeners at home, what, what are we drinking, gents? What are we drinking, gentlemen? Moonshine. Shine time. Yeah. We've got a little white light in them. I toned it down a little apple pie. Yeah. Nice. In that case, we should have watched OU kicked West Virginia's ass. Yes, just... 
I don't think anybody would get mad during quarantine if you started burning a couch. Like they've got other things to worry about. Just tell them somebody coughed on it or something. Uh Hi, Brett, actually, Ward. I was just about to say, how bored is Brett right now? Oh, what a throw. Gino Lewis gets his touchdown. What? Um, no. No. <laughs> now you can show Madison. Please, camera, go show Madison. Uh, why do you hate Madison Morris, your, your co-host? I'll take it. <laughs> no, the other day I was um, – I was – I don't know what I was doing, but, like, something popped up of her on – like, I was Googling something, and a picture of her popped up. And I texted her, and I was like, I can't escape you even during quarantine lockdown. And then this, this happens where we just saw her and I just texted her telling her the same thing. And she just said in all caps that she's everywhere. That's funny. Kind of scary. <laughs> all right. So 27 seconds left in the uh, first half of the game. It's tied up 17, 17. This is what you want. It's a big 12 championship. Can't hold anything back, yeah. Sam. Well, I mean, look, it's, it's a freaking road game against a rival for a Big 12 championship. That's what this is. Like 9-2 Oklahoma State, 9-2 Oklahoma. Like, you love this game coming into it. And we got the first half that we freaking deserved. There's no question about it. It's not a Bedlam game unless there's a big-ass return from OSU. Yep. Austin Cyber has to make the tackle. Huge play, right? Huge play by Barry Sanders. All right. Oh, yeah, that is Barry Sanders Jr. At first, I thought you were just kidding. I was like, what? Arm tackle, arm tackle. I think number one tried to trip him. Huge. That's a huge return. But at this point, I'm on my feet in the end zone watching this thing go down. All right? 18 seconds left. You're on the 50-damn-yard line. You got one of the best deep ball throwers in the country, along with James Washington, who's just a freaking freak. It's another level of freak, the freaking freak, which is true. Oh, oh, my God. How in the – like, that's, that was the first play. Yeah, that's uh, – Right? That is very questionable. Like, you're going to tell me that that's how you're going to lead this fucking first half of the game? You get a 50-yard return. I know. In you the could... championship game against your rival on the road, and it's tied up. And you're telling me with James Washington, who has torched it, and Mason Rudolph out there, that that's the best you came up with. Like I know. I feel like you you could have run, you could have like, run three receivers to the goal line and had one guy run a deep deep out. Right. Yeah. You could you could have played that cool. You want to be conservative there, Brady? You play for the field goal. That's yeah. what being conservative in that moment is. Not just calling a fucking draw. But like, I just it blows me away. It's it's a title game. 
Yeah, who was 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 this? Um, who was OSU's play caller? Even though I, Mike Gundy's probably influencing a lot of the play calling. I don't even know. Yursich, right? Was he Yursich, there? Yeah. Chippensburg. <laughs> that was the place he was previously employed before he made half a million dollars at Oklahoma State. Chippensburg. <laughs> it's a it's a small liberal arts school in western Pennsylvania. They got about thirteen thousand total students. He made thirty five thousand dollars where he became the OC of Oklahoma State. Great yeah. Well, yeah. So what we just watched there for those at home is a football coach icing his own team. Because I promise you, every one of those kids, after watching Barry Sanders run that 50-yard return back, thought to themselves, let's go score. Let's go score. And they got in there, and he called a effing draw. But not Justice Hill, too. <laughs> Like to the slower bruising running back that is Chris Carson. Not just if you're going right. to do that, give it to your most dynamic offensive player in Justice Hill, and it's still the wrong. It's still the wrong answer at that point. It's James Washington. It's just amazing. Just amazing. I just, I'm telling you, it, I, there's no way they weren't deflated going into the halftime. I'd have been out there like, what the hyped up. With 10 seconds, whatever was left on the go on the clock. Hype 18 seconds. Hyped up. No, I remember, I remember like being kind of freaked out in the stadium. And Look then I, I'm like, I'm talking to my friend going, God damn it. And like cussing up a storm. And then all of a sudden I hear the whistle blow. Like, what did they just, f it? did they just run the ball? Why? And I was like, thank you. And then I went on my merry way. Oklahoma State is 187 first half rushing yards. Right, they've held Oklahoma to one out of th one for seven on third downs. Defense is getting the hell off the field. Offense is shoving it up their ass, like one hundred percent in control of this game. And you can't take a risk going at it going into halftime. It's amazing. Yeah, you, with the numbers going like that, like rush yards wise, defense wise, you win that game ten times out of ten. Hi, Kyler Murray. wild just crazy game and it, at this point uh, my toes had started to freeze to start the second half i remember oh, yeah. that oh yeah, yeah i think i go back to o'connell's mid third quarter because it just got to a point where i was like I, I just feel uncomfortable i need a beer <laughs> oh i miss you samaje look at that look at that and you know I'm in the stands just losing my mother effing mind because you had a chance to go into halftime putting some points on the board. And here come the damn Sooners. How dejected is OU, even if it's three points, if they go into halftime with a, and they're down? Pretty dejected, I bet. But instead, they dodge a bullet there because Gundy ran a draw. But no, it's like if you're the, if you're the underdog in a game like this, like I said earlier, the longer this game goes along and you're letting a team that you're, you've dominated, like, yeah, they're better than you talent-wise, but you've dominated this game. The longer that you still keep it a game on the, on the scoreboard, the less likely you are to keep that going because you're outplaying them, but they're more talented than you. So the capability that they have to bust a big play like that is, you know, they can do it. You've got to 
take your opportunities when you have them. And what twice in this game, Mike Gundy didn't do it. He did it on, he did it on the goal line. And then after a 50 yard kickoff return, he just said, fuck it. You really started to see Oklahoma start to win in the, in the middle, like Aaron Wren and Ben Powers, like those guys, Samia, this was a game that they didn't have the best starts. And to start the second half, you really start to see Wren start to get some more push. Was it Vincent Taylor? I think the big, big guy for, yeah. Like he just yeah. won play there. OSU had some guys on this defensive front that were pretty good. Yeah, didn't Vincent Taylor like block six extra points this season? Wasn't that his big calling card? Oh, I don't know. I think he blocked like a handful of extra points. Uh, you can't do that. Oh, Baker just gets fucking carried at the end of the play. <laughs> Help! <laughs> Oh, come on now. God. A shot. Look, I'm not going to shit on a Lincoln Riley offense. Maybe I'm old school. When you're inside the five yard line, you line up in the shotgun. I always, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. The thing about it, though, Brady, is all these kids know. Like, you know, that's, that's the position that they're comfortable in. Uh, now yeah, coming, that, that's true. You know, like I, I, I watch high school football games every year in Oklahoma where I'm watching guys, you know, inside their own 10-yard line, and they're all in two-point stand. And what, I, what is that even? I don't that my brain doesn't even compute that as football. Like, how are you in a two-point stance for a goal line play? But it's just, you just don't, you don't have that same mindset. Kind of football Wes and I played, okay, you're inside the, the, the friggin' five-yard line. That means you've got six-inch splits. And you literally are just going to put your face mask in somebody's chest. Like, that's the whole point of it. Actually, that reminds me, I was wanting to ask you guys earlier in the show, um, like, if you, guys, if you guys came out 15 years later, if you were 15 years younger and you came out in the 2010s, basically, how, how much different would playing your position had truly been? Because I'd imagine oh, you're oh. running more run-style offenses out of high school. And you get into the Big 12, and we've talked about how great the running styles were back then. Like, how much different would playing your position had been 15 years later? Okay, so let, Wes is probably – let's even start with the recruiting aspect of this. And I, I find this so intriguing of the, what's happened in college football in the last 20 years or what's happened with high school football in the last 20 years. So Wes Sims in 2020 is probably the number one recruit in the country based off of size and strength, run-blocking ability – right, reach, like literally number one recruit in the country. And there's, there might be two or three kids in that same caliber this year that you could maybe lump in that, but then none of them will be as strong as Wes is, right? Yeah. So probably back in 2000, there was probably 20 West Sims that came out of high school football across the country. Okay, now you've got three or four. For me, a 60-40 run guard out of Northeast Ohio, there's probably 50 of me coming out of high school football. Yeah, two, that was probably eight. So we're, you're talking about we're two of the highest recruits in the country, and there's probably 
maybe nine schools that we would consider or 10 schools that we consider just from a balanced run the football, throw the football. Oklahoma at least is still one for West. I couldn't consider Oklahoma State now. Nor would Oklahoma State even really have wanted me on, a, on that roster, to be well, honest my, with you. Well, Mike Gundy. Right. <laughs> Mike Gundy recruiting is another conversation. <laughs> yeah. But you're looking – I mean, for me, West has got more versatility than I do. For me, you're looking at, a, you know, the SEC and Stanford, Notre Dame, Northwestern. Uh, Sam Mays with a Stanford education. That's dangerous almost. You know, it's a handful of Big Ten schools. I mean, it's just not a, a lot of options. Yeah, it would be it would be completely different coming out now. Yeah. I mean, for me, it would be – I'd still be going to the same place. I grew up an OU fan, and if they were playing the way they do now, like an old offensive line factory, I mean, that's a labor. And I, I don't know ex- – I can't remember what exactly I was reading, but – when Sam told me you were going to be on the show, Wes, I just I watched early two thousands OU <clears throat> highlights and was reading something, and then it was talking about uh, when you committed to OU, and the last paragraph was Wes Sims chose Oklahoma over Texas, um, Texas, Missouri, and Florida State, and I was just like, God damn, like everybody wanted him because obviously Texas was Texas back then. Florida State was playing in back-to-back national championships at the time when you were coming out of high school. You know, you beat them in 2000. It was like, damn, everybody wanted West. Penn, Penn State? Didn't you visit Penn State? Yeah, and I went to Penn State on the visit. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was wild, like, seeing all that. I mean, like, Bobby Bowden coming to Weatherford, Oklahoma was kind of weird. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, seeing that and – so you have him sitting here there to listening to him tell you he wants to be one of your boys, you know. That's awesome. Because the they're all the sons. But uh, that, like, coaches from UCLA coming in and they're sitting there telling you, oh, we saw Kathy Ireland jogging on our track yesterday. Shaq comes in and works out in the offseason in our weight room. You know, I mean, you got people telling you stuff like that when you're getting recruited. And, and the fact that they are recruiting you, that's pretty cool. But yeah. Hey, it was it was different for you know, back then. I mean, it was like you're an all American and pretty much everybody will shoot you an offer, but it's wild. Like the way how things have came how they are now. Because like <laughs> I've just kind of recently started to get on Twitter and then I see kids coming out of high school that was kinda like Sam and I were coming out of high school, like they were recruits and Yeah. You know, that's wild. So what you're telling me is if you were coming out of high school now, you wouldn't be releasing like, this is my top 12. (laughs) With like a year left of your high school career left. It's like, what are we doing? It's global pandemic. I don't care about your top 12s. No, because I I narrowed all the mind down. I mean, after I thought about it, I think it was right before my junior year. I just kind of drew a line all the way across the United States about the middle of it, somewhere through Kansas from east to west. And I was like, anywhere above this line, I'm really not interested in because I'll freeze my ass off after years. Oh, yeah. That was kind of half of the deciding factor. And then it came down to schools that also had track programs because I wanted to throw the shot in the disc. Mm-hmm. 
And Florida State was what it was, but Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas all had pretty decent track programs. So those were my next big three, probably. See, I, I've always thought if I was talented enough to get a D1 offer out of high school to play football with as much of an OU fan as I grew up, and I probably wouldn't do this because I don't think that I'm an asshole. I don't think that I'm a dickhead. Um, but with as much of an OU fan as I was, like if Texas wanted me at the time, I would, I would probably have the thought, should I pretend like they have a shot so they can like waste their time recruiting me and they miss yeah. out on somebody else? <laughs> when I first uh, went down there, I went down, they talked me into coming down to uh, their football camp. Yeah. So I down there for like three or four days and kind of fuck around. Oh, Austin's a fun town. So I go down there and the first day everything was good. We checked in. They took care of my mom and grandma. They disappeared. The coaches all catered to us and then we went into the dorms. Well, one of my good friends in high school was with me and so we decided we wanted to sneak out and kind of go check out Austin a little bit. So we like go walk around find 6th Street, and walk up and down it, and come back, and it's way after curfew for a high school football. <laughs> and we're coming in, and some high school football coach that was one of the dorm guys, he's like, hey, what are you two doing? We're like, I'm just coming back in. And we weren't drunk or anything. We just were out walking around. <laughs> and he's telling us that he's going to have us on a Greyhound bus on our way home tomorrow and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. And then uh, – so the next day, Mac Brown calls me into his office, or not into his office, but calls me aside before the first practice gets going. And uh, he's talking to me, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. And he was just like, hey, what's going on? And he didn't even hear about any of that. He was like, I told him, and he was like, what? He's like, hell no, you ain't out of here. He's like, do you want him out of here? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's different. So, but – I mean, after that, I was like, oh, man. I was like, man, Texas might be all right. Because, like, I went to bed that night. And I was like, screw this place. I'm out of here. Yeah. It's like, got a bad feeling about it. But after that, that, and then uh, the last day I was there, they took all the guys that they had offers out to up to this, like, indoor pool that, like, had glass windows all around it, looked over the campus, and we were going up there to meet uh, Daryl Royal. And at that point in time, I didn't really pay any attention to Texas' history, but I remembered the name faintly from OU history. And so I'd go up there and I'd talk to him. We visited for a while, and he started telling me about his deal and why he chose OU over Texas and then why he ended up in Texas and all that. I ended up – he was like, so what do you think? And I was like, basically, I feel like – a young Luke Skywalker talking to Darth Vader right now. <laughs> you said that to Darth <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> no, like anytime Texas fans like bring that nonsense about how OU's only good when they have like a roster full of Texans, it's like, well, first of all, why are they crossing the Red River? That sounds like a personal problem that you guys have. Number two, the only two coaches to win national championships at Texas – Daryl Royals from Oklahoma, played at Oklahoma, is a great Oklahoma Sooner. You know, he has the interceptions record. He was one of Bud Wilkinson's best players. Then Mac Brown was a fucking offensive coordinator at OU back in the 80s. And you watch the, uh, the Boz documentary, 
uh, the, the boss 30 for 30. He's talking about the 84 OU Texas game where uh, OU probably got screwed out of winning that game. And Mac Brown's being interviewed as the current Texas football coach. And he's talking like, oh, yeah, we got screwed. Like, we should have won that game. We won that game. They know we did. I'm just like, he's saying that as the current Texas coach. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. These are facts. What are your thoughts on this last play we just watched? Like, dropping your nose guard, okay? Like, I'll never – like, why make defense harder than it should be? So now you have number 90 in the game right now after you just dropped his fat ass back in the coverage. And he's in a stance and he's exhausted because he just did something he shouldn't have done for the last five seconds. So, like, what, I just don't understand. He was, was completely – Was that a third down? Yes. Was it a third down? Okay, no, yeah. like, I kind of get it because I, I would assume the idea is to confuse the quarterback. Like, oh, what the hell is he doing? He's not supposed to be there. And especially, like, again, OU's try, OU has to reach into the cupboard a little bit with their receivers because Didi's out. Like, Geno Lewis has caught passes. Jeffrey Meade's caught passes. Dahu Green's out there. Like, a bunch of guys that people listening to this podcast are going, who? So, right. I kind of would assume the idea behind that is to confuse Baker Mayfield. But, I mean, right. at this point, the film is out on Baker Mayfield. You're not really going to confuse him. You just have to be physically better at the point of attack to disrupt him. Right. But I'm no defensive coordinator. I'm, I'm just a guy. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Gino Lewis, again, this is like his best game as a Sooner. <coughs> Another Penn State transfer. Ugh. Y'all gonna have to talk amongst yourselves. I gotta go piss real quick. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, the one thing that you've gotta appreciate from Lincoln Riley really since he's gotten on campus is the ability to go into halftime and have a plan coming out of it. You know, like there's a real chess match happening. That dude is one of the greatest offensive minds of college football seen in the last twenty years. You know, to watch him come out and all of a sudden look at this offense and go. You know, it's it's running the football, it's throwing the football. You know, in 30-minute time frame, he's dissected the Oklahoma State defense, and he's starting. To, they're starting to have an impact. Now, the Cowboys are still playing hard. You know, the score is only 24-17 at this point. It's only a seven-point game. But you're starting to see Baker look – like, Baker was, what, 8 of 13 for 232 and two touchdowns in the first half. And it was like he was as quiet as a mouse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't – and that was a great – it's a great first half. Um, and now you're watching him in the second half start to really flex a little bit and start to clear his throat. and. He's going to be heard eventually. He's heard in every damn game. Yeah. It's, I, <laughs> it's fun watching Lincoln put together a plan. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, because you'll see him come in. Like, I mean, especially like against Alabama a couple years ago when it was just like, what do you do here? Right. And they, even then, he found something to come out and put some points on. Right. I mean, he's. He gets it done. This offense, too, gives you so much versatility when you consider just the, you know, just the weapons list is ridiculous here. P. Ryan Mixon, you know, D.D. Westbrook, they've just got dudes all over the place, focal point guys, and then you add Baker Mayfield's athleticism, and you just saw him make plays in this drive, you know, running the football down the field and 
just being an athlete. <laughs> God, I don't remember this game being that this close, this long into it. Uh, this, this is seriously a game that OU could have just easily lost. They could drop the ball, fumble it, and it's a, a completely different game. Yeah, this is a hard hit in the from start to finish. You know, it's plays like that that you just kind of love, the creativity there. And you just kind of love freeze the defensive line, freeze it, making them run to the sidelines. Bakers feels comfortable running and throwing, let it develop. You know, that's a that's a 15-yard out there or it's a 30-yard touchdown. You know, like it's just – that's a great play design. God, and again, it's with a bunch of guys who are not classically targets Baker Mayfield typically throws to. Smallwood's a – He's a blocking wide receiver who would do those cute little end arounds in 2017. Jeez. I will say, though, going back to what Wes said towards the beginning of the show, where, like, no, I'd, I'd rather see a good football game than a blowout. I, I get the thinking there. I will say between a close game that looks like this and a close game the following season in Bedlam, where it was just score, 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 fuck that. It's entertaining, but at, at some point it gets, it gets embarrassing. Like, why is the defense this bad? Why are both of these defenses this bad? And especially when you, play in the, when you play in the Big 12 and there's already that stigma out there. It's like, well, we're just adding to it right now. It's fun to watch those games, but when it's halftime and it's like 48, 45, it's like you kind of feel a little bit embarrassed for your defense. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, – they're like, damn, we gave up 42 points in the first half, and we're up by three. Like, <laughs> oh, Baker. Oh, Joe. <laughs> Mason's a weapon and a half, y'all. Yeah. He is an absolute weapon. He wants any better was that God? Yeah. <laughs> you both looked up. Yeah. Little. The, uh, the bosses. Uh-oh. The man phone charger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now OU finally has a little bit of control of this game. All right, so now you're feeling like shit about it. (coughs) Games, you know, I really don't remember what happened in the rest of this thing. Does it get close again? I think OU wins 31 or 38 17. I feel like that's right. Yeah. Um, You know, just to, you know, once again, not for lack of kids playing hard. You know what I mean? Like, and now, even now with the play calling in this next drive, I promise you, you know, the situation, you got one one job here. You got to score. You got to put points on the board here. Yeah, because it's, it's not like OU's, like, dominating A or B. It's not like they're they're up 40 points. If you're OSU, you just score once, and it's like, okay, it's one score in the Big 12 is nothing. 
Right. It's like having a 10-point lead in the NBA. It's like that is not a safe lead. Uh, no lead is safe in, in the Big 12, especially against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Texas Tech, or Baylor. Wes, you said you grew up an OU fan, obviously, from Weatherford. M- makes a lot of sense. I mean, pretty much everybody was born in Oklahoma. You know, you're probably going to be a Sooner fan. But who is your who is your favorite Sooner growing up? And I know I asked that knowing full well that you were, like, a teenager during – the 90s of OU football. Yeah, and that was that was a tough time to have a have a favorite senior during the yeah. 90s. There was just a handful of guys that were that stood out in, in all those years. But I mean, like when Cale uh, Gundy came and recruited me, that, I mean that was pretty cool. I remember watching Gundy for all those years. But, yeah, I mean there was really. I mean, the boss was the most I can get to watch him when I was younger. I mean, that's the one guy that you're going to – you'll never forget. But as I got older, man, I loved watching guys like Kelly Craig, like guys that just kind of worked on their craft and just kind of bullied their way through a game. Like, I love I loved watching guys like that play too. That looks incredibly painful. Yeah. Fuck that. That's a career ender for a big guy. And was that the last time Jordan Parker played at OU? No, he's a freshman. Well, I know he. I can't remember if he played in 2017, but he tore his I, he tore his ACL either 2017 or 2018. Didn't play the whole season, and then he got redshirted. Now the feed is like all kinds of screwy. Oh yeah, at least it's happening on your end too. That was weird. Please, God, don't take away our internet, too. I don't know what I'd do. No. I can't do that. Sam, have you been? Have you tried anything different under quarantine that you thought, oh, I'll never have to – I want to do this, but I never have time to do it since you're home a little, little bit more frequently than you would be otherwise? Uh, no. I Today, I went uh, – Brett and I went out and ran three miles, and I got back and I made a little makeshift gym in the, on the back porch, and you know, forty push-ups and forty, you know, just forty reps of everything. Yeah, about that, and then I did about uh, like tomorrow I'll do probably an hour and thirty minutes of yoga, and you know, just anything to keep my my body moving, sweating. Yeah, you so, do it. You doing the Rocky Four workout? Are you like chopping down trees and? No, I haven't chopped anything. <laughs> but that'd be a good idea. You got some trees. Yeah, I got some axes. Yeah, I, I might need to borrow an axe. That'd be, that'd be cool. Just don't don't film yourself pushing up a car up a hill in neutral. Why? I don't like when people show that off because it, I can push a car in neutral down it like up or, or down a hill. I'm small. I've down done it the, before. It has yeah. wheels. Why would I? Why would I push it down it? Or just on a flat? I don't know. I, yeah, I, no, every, t- I, every time I see someone put a video out there, I'm just like, 
unless it's a fucking semi truck and unless you're pulling it, I don't, I don't know why you're, you felt the need to share this. All right. Well, now I'm going to take my Jeep tomorrow. I'm going to put it on the hill. I'm going to push it up the hill just There's for you. Nobody in the okay. Yeah, just for you, buddy. Like All right. Well, for the lawyer purposes, um, you're making this decision of your own free will. I'm not coercing you into doing this. So if you get hurt, I have nothing to do with it. Now that we're all square away. You are on the hook. <laughs> yeah. Feelings at least. I mean, if you're going to sue me for all I'm worth, Sam, I mean, I can give you a quarter right now. I can push my Jeep uphill, right? I'll just up this hill in my front yard. That should be too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Just make sure you get it up all the way because if you, like, rest, boom. Flat, Sam. Okay, Mason's starting to make some throws. Yeah, he is. He's still in it. Is that Seals related to Ricky Seals Jr. from SMU that played at Cleveland? You're such a friggin' nerd. No one knows that shit. You know, Dan, what's the guy like being able to have a conversation about this game? There's no CT in this room. Kill somebody. <laughs> You're asking us about somebody who played it. No one, you know that stuff. Today, yeah. <laughs> I got my concussion in football early. I got it out of the way. Like fucking ten years old pee wee football. Get him, Obo. I feel so bad for Obo. Why? He, that dude was so talented he was so good he had such a great motor that motherfucker never quit like the 2017 OU Texas game where he's chasing Sam Ellinger around and he's he's tired as hell but he's still chasing him around but the bad thing is is Obo played on this defense and the 2017 defense so OU fans are never going to think that much of him even though that he is really good he just played on some pretty bad collective defenses there were some good players out there. Right? Yeah, they were like Stephen Parker's a good player, made plays. Yeah. Jordan Evans became a pretty good player. Yeah, Jordan Evans has started the yeah. NFL. Obo's played. Oh. Manuel Beal played for, uh, I think he played for the Browns for a few years in the NFL. Yeah, a bunch of these guys played ball in the league. <laughs> this is Obo's junior year, right? Yeah, his senior yeah. year's the next year. Yeah, so like this deal was I, I Obo's one of those guys that I thought maybe like he got so big, he got so big in the uh you know, in in his senior year that it almost I wonder if it took a little bit of that lean he had. Like that play that he just made right there, he wasn't making the senior year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean he Yeah, he got he got big fat. But Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, like that's a you know, that's an athletic move there. And then I think he almost you know, he lost a step. I don't know. I don't know that we saw the best version of him at Oklahoma. That's somebody that I thought could have been a better player his senior season and then going into this rookie year. Like he was he he didn't play at all last year, right? Um in the NFL? Yeah. I don't think so, no. Yeah. No, imagine him on an Alex Grinch defense. Right, right. I, but I like this version of him better. 
then his like his junior year, you know, still had a lot to learn still. But I, his body, I feel like that was where you got the most out of him. Yeah. That would have been, a, by the way, OSU kicks that field goal. That would have been a perfect, perfect time to fake it. That had just been perfect. Oh, you wouldn't have seen it coming. Well, yeah, I mean. Because they felt like they, they won that drive. Like, okay, we sacked the quarterback. We won the drive. We're going to force a field goal. And then you fake it. But you know, you know me like my drunk ass OU fandom. Every time someone lines up for a field goal, I'm just like, "Watch the fake." Not that right. anyone can hear me. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's like a worst possible scenario. Man, it was fun seeing Nixon return kicks. Just one of those, like when Peterson used to line up doing it, and just seeing. Oh those. yeah. He I just knew chance he's gonna make make a play. Yeah. Just any time I get the ball over there, that's right now. God, I, I love Samaje. Yeah, B-Ryan's one of those dudes. You wonder where, where his body was at in his rookie season. He because he, I just thought he was going to be a better NFL player. He always dealt with some ankles, and he was always going to be—he was always going to have an uphill battle, in my opinion, just because of the size and the lack of speed. Like he can get away with it in college; he's a great college back, and he can outrun his fair share of <clears throat> college defenders. But everybody's fast shit in the NFL. <clears throat> It was it was between him and like something Thompson, like that other backup running back for the Redskins a few years ago, and that guy could just do a lot more out of the backfield. He was a lot more versatile than Samaje, and just didn't really work out for him. But Samaje's got the rushing record at OU, so his legacy is secure. God, I think I'm having great running backs played at OU in the last twenty years. That was wild. And West probably played with one of the most underrated, the most underrated out of all of them, Quentin Griffin. Right. That 02 Quentin Griffin season is, people forget about that shit. And it's a shame that they do because Q was amazing in 2002. Yeah, I mean, he was right there, had the chance to break like single season rushing records, and he didn't want to. Yeah, in the Rose Bowl against Washington State. Yeah, he easily could have done it. I mean, he could have broke off one run and had it done, but he didn't – you couldn't have begged him to go back in. He wouldn't do it. He didn't want to win it like that. And the other thing is um, if he didn't have his red shirt burned in 1999, he would have been a senior in 2003. That offense with Quentin Griffin. Yeah. Oh. I can pretend. That would have been nice to have another. Look at this run. This good. Look at this. Boom. That's big time players right there. Like Jordan Stearns, that he he went in there to put a point, got his ass lit up. Wolf. 
I can imagine. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, look, I can. I promise you. I promise you. When Dwyane was at OU, there wasn't three dudes in his entire career that took him on like Brooks Stearns did right there. Because you got to be crazy. No one wants that. No one's here for that. P. Ryan Shoulder, I really nice. That dude is, uh, he is a bowling ball. P. Ryan was probably that one, like, freak athlete when you're growing up playing football that you didn't want to go up against in the Oklahoma drill. It's like, this dude ain't 10 years old. Right. Show me his birth certificate. Yeah, he didn't look like an old man. And I love how he would get – as you, you can just like a pitcher. Like, he got hot. Yeah, once he got in the stride, he got hot. Well, that's that classic. The defense gets tired, but P. Ryan gets faster, faster and stronger. AD had the same thing. Yeah. High step, high step. Ooh. Those like the those are the worst feelings, man. Like when you feel somebody hit the back of your leg, and you just try to fall. You know, you just try to let all the like the body weight off your body, off your legs. Oh yeah. This ref looks pissed off. Like, why? I'm, I don't want to be outside that much longer. It's fucking cold. Oh, shocker. Lance Brown. <laughs> I always laugh. Hey, there's Rufus. And I knew that Jamal was kind of – Oh, egging it on. Had his hands on oh, down yeah. there. I was like, that's Jamal. Yeah. That's Jamal. Yeah. No, Orlando would do this. Cody Ford would do this. It would always be those things where I'm like, in the moment, I'm like, God damn it, but I know it's important. Right. I know. I know a tone is trying to be set, but I'm like, I don't want to see a ten yard penalty kill a, kill a play. Yeah, it sucks. And it's happened to us. I mean, I only have one. Not Samaj fumbled again. Which play can I have one? Then figure out yet. Finished off. Yeah. Two plays later. This is a really good Bedlam game. Yeah. I totally forgot about Yeah, this was a game where we thought Nixon got taken out. Yeah. And then we thought Piran got taken out. I think both of them ended up coming back. Yeah, because Piran does the kneel at the end of the game. Mixon has like a nine, like an 80-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. Spoiler alert, everybody. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. You just ruined it for me. I know. It was kind of like watching. Like, the I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling hope right now. You know, I had a hopeful moment, and you just took it from me. No, like, I said it when my buddy Matt and I watched the 2011 OU Tech game that OU loses in Norman. It's funny when you go back and watch a loss, and you you obviously go in knowing that your team loses this game. When you remember how you acted during the game, like I acted like a fucking pissant the whole time. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why are we losing to Texas Tech? This is embarrassing. They're they're up twenty eight to seven. OU comes back and had three drives to win the game. 
right. they just didn't do it. And the whole time I'm just like, it doesn't matter. They're down seven. They might as well be down a hundred. You go back and watch these games. It's like, no, OSU was just a play or a drive away from making it sure. very interesting. Huge drive. But in the moment, you're probably like, God damn it, what the fuck's going on? Right. What happened to Hill this year? Was he hurt? Where did he play at? Baltimore, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember he had one he had one big game. Yeah, he had a couple one or two like eighty yard games and then but he did have one one game where I think he got like hundred and twenty yards or something like that. Because they still got the um who's the running back? The guy that won the Heisman at Alabama. Ingram killed him. Oh, yeah, Mark Ingram. Yeah, Ingram made up all his time he was supposed to get this year. Yeah. But he Col- almost a good change of pace back, you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think. Four man's yeah, For sure. Yeah, for sure. I don't think anybody thought he was going to be a, you know, a feature by any means. Although, when the ground they drafted him in, third, fourth? I'll check right now. Uh, where he was drafted. A good discount on If he ends up making it. Anyway, third or fourth round, that's nothing. His fourth round. Fourth round? Yeah. I thought he would go as high as second at one point. I mean, what, what kept him what kept him from going high? It's probably because he should have came out after this season. Because his last season at OSU, if I remember correctly, wasn't as it wasn't as exciting. But I do remember thinking they're not giving him the ball. But if I'm a running back, you know, yeah, obviously you want to get drafted in the first round. If you want to have a long, successful career and you're good, go to a good team so you don't get destroyed in your first year or two. Behind a shit offensive line. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough to get drafted in the first round as a running back anymore. I mean, it's, it's so so many based on the need and how how good how good of a talent the guy is coming out. Yeah. But Ooh. I mean, drafted. they only have uh, like what Swift was the only guy projected to go in the first round as running back. Is that possible? Yeah, I think anybody so, yeah. And he's late. Yeah. I like that kid out of uh, out of Utah. Justin Lee. <laughs> he's a player. Uh, what's his name? Kicker Stanford Little Wobble guy today. Oh yeah. McCaffrey got paid McCaffrey. a lot of money. Sixteen million a year, is that what it was? Oh, Zach yeah. Moss. Yeah, Zach Moss. I love him. Yeah, McCaffrey's still crazy. I say running back in NFL history. But you got to love him because, one, they're paying him for what he's going to be. He's been Because he's going to be incredible. Yeah. And the usage he's rate. Like, he's, the usage that he, they've had for him is – and he's in, he does it all. He's as dynamic as Tyree Kill. They just do it in a different way. Hey, look. Yeah, maybe not as flashy. I, you know, I, not I, one of those things. But it's uh, – yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's a good player. I like Clyde. I like Clyde. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of LSU. 
just from the versatility standpoint, undersized, yeah, but yeah. he's a guy that, like, if the Dolphins picked him up in a third round or a fourth round, like, that is a great pick. I don't know if he'd fall that far, but I just like guys that can do a bunch of shit unless they're Saquon Barkley or Adrian Peterson. Like, if it's that type of miss, you cannot miss this talent, then sure. Right. AD still in the league making positive plays. It's incredible. <laughs> It's amazing how this kid just got paid. Darwin's doing the same? 20 something million from the Cowboys? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, finally going to feed him the ball? I can guess. <laughs> well, Witten's a freaking Raider now, which is the weirdest thing ever. He's still playing? Yeah, Jason Witten's. <laughs> he's with. I thought he just came back to, like, no. kind of mentor the younger guys for a year. And yep. then he's going to go back into. TV. He is a freaking. Las Vegas Raider, oh, wow. which is so damn weird. I saw it the other day where they might be the fucking Utah Raiders this year. What? Well, the corona is slowing down production. Oh, like yeah. The stadium built, they might have to play in Utah is what they're doing. Good night, man. What are we reviewing here? Placement of the ball? Yeah. Uh, it's not a Big 12 game unless something is reviewed. It's a first down. First down. Oh, shit. I'm going to start screaming at the TV like a fan right now. You can do it. <clears throat> well, Sam, what, what were your thoughts when, like, you went on air the day Bob Stoops announced he was retiring? Yeah, so that was weird. <laughs> uh, you know, started getting text messages from people. Got actually got a text message from Robert Allen. Was the first guy to text me, and he says, "Just so you know, your boy down there in Norman is getting ready to retire." And I was like, "My boy in Norman? What are you talking about?" <laughs> like he's like Bob Stoops, and he was like, and I was like, "What are you?" Stop. You know, like, what are you, what are you doing? This ha-ha funny, whatever. We're talking about he's coming back and making a title run this year. What are you talking? You know, like, this doesn't make any sense. And then seven minutes later, breaking news, Bob Stoops is retiring. Is like, what? Okay. Sure. Uh, and I think we did an extra, an hour extra that night. Uh, took calls and it was the craziest night on the radio on the phones. People yeah. were static about Lincoln Riley getting an opportunity. Uh, one guy said, "This is the greatest mistake Oklahoma will ever make." Bob Stoops has screwed us. Lincoln is never going to have success. He's not ready for this. Clearly, this kid is not going to get this opportunity. What about a coaching search? I mean, it was wild the the range of emotion that people went through. Yeah, really I, I remember all the um, is OU about to get like get put put on probation tapes. Fourth and inches. Inches. Yeah. Are they trying to draw them off sides? But yeah, that day Bob retired. That was wild. I remember I was at work. And I just start getting bombarded with text messages. I got a couple early ones about people like, hey, man, Bob might be stepping down. And then the uh, 
you know, rumor mill was off and it was happening and people are hitting me up left and right. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. I get out, turn the radio on, turn the TV on. I'm trying to click it on the internet. And I was like, wow, this is real. And the next question everybody asks is, well, what do you think about Lincoln? I'm like, I look at the staff and I'm like, man, out of all the great coaches you have on that staff, I mean, the way you got to look at it is after what he had done after the first three years he had been there, four years, however long he was there, which coach on that staff would you have wanted to lose the most or hated to have lost the most? And I think that's who it was. And it exactly. Was a pretty good vision from that point of view. Plus the fact that, you know, he was just built for it like Bob at a young age. So I I thought it was a good move then and I'm I've been happy with it ever since it happened, but I didn't see it coming when it did happen. Oklahoma State is playing so damn hard in this game. Oh. And the, it was kind of funny. They they just showed the top ten coming into this game. OU's nine, Oklahoma State's ten. Number eight's Colorado, which is both Oh yeah, they were good for one year, and then OSU they lose this game, but then they go into the uh, Alamo Bowl and play Colorado and just beat the shit out of them. Big Twelve was good twenty sixteen. It's just Texas wasn't good, so no one gave a fuck. Oh. Oh. Evans almost got two picks in this game. Yep. Big boy was moving. He didn't have any business covering the picks. Sam, go be go be Oklahoma State's next offensive coordinator. Don't let this shit happen again. God. <laughs> This kid is, oh, that's wow. Uh, Steve hey, Parker's good. That's a big play by him. Did he show me kind of set the ground while his feet were on Oh, yeah, I think so. Those little skill players, man, they got a lot of flexibility. <laughs> they do a lot of yoga. That's why Sam's doing yoga. Yeah. so flexible. See him get hit and just look like a Gumby helicopter and come down and land and take off running full speed and stuff. Like that should have ended somebody's career. <laughs> Bob just said fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that Bobby. dude, that. That dude could see the future. He's got a mask on. Good on you, sir. That's how a game would look in 2020 right now. Everybody would have to be wearing garb. Oh, too many yards on third and ten. 
Yeah, I just don't understand why that's even the fucking play call, though. Like, why is that the play call? That's not a third and ten freaking play call. Like, yeah, Chris Carson did a good job. I get it. But that's not a third and ten play call while you're down 11 points in a conference championship game against your rival on the road. Right. Right. If you're going to go for it here, then I get it. But he's trotting out the effing kicker. It's amazing. And missed. Yeah. Uh, I was so pissed. I was so pissed. You've deflated your team like completely as a play caller, as a coach, doing that shit. Well, he just, he quits. He quits. Just garbage play caller. Garbage, conservative, weak ass play caller. Because I thought to myself when he ran it, I thought, okay, he's going to go for it on fourth down. I'm thinking fourth and two, here we go. And they trotted the field goal team out. It was absurd. And it wasn't even like it was like a 28-yarder, you know, or a 25-yarder. It's a 38-yard field goal. For if I remember correctly, that kid's not even good. I mean, 38 yards is not a – it's not a chip shot by any means. No, it's not. Especially in, in weather conditions like this. I, I, yeah, I don't get it. Like, oh, crap, look what I did on my face, like on his face. Like, I just – it just drives me nuts. Here we go. See you, Joe. Closers. Yeah. You know what would look much better? A first down inside the 20 for Oklahoma State. You know, and a potential 28-31 score. Right? Yeah. Seven minutes to go on the clock. That's coaching. These kids showed up in this game. They played their hearts out in this game. It's crazy. Man, that's that's saying that's how I feel about the Rose Bowl. I don't know why I do this to myself and I bring it up all the time. Just got to move the fuck on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, DeMarco's on the sideline. He was at this game. Like, what is this? What even is this run? Right. No, I was just thinking. Look like a freaking video game. Yeah. <laughs> There's a current Texas assistant coach, uh, Jay Bulware. You can't tell me those coaches from the backside working on a full speed when you've got a toss in the What is Mixon? So what? He's got one more year in his contract year, Brady. Two. Yes. One, more, one year? more year. Yep. Where did he get drafted? Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what, what? Oh, I believe second round. Yeah. It was like This kid was number two in all-purpose yards this year. Number two. And, and he looked like a friggin', I mean, strong safety. Yeah, he was the 12th pick of the second round. 
Yeah, he, he lost money for sure. Well, then he got drafted by Cincinnati. <laughs> it would have been fun to see. Oh, damn. Jarvis Baxter just killed somebody. Him and P. Ryan would have been true freshmen at the same time. What would have happened? God, it would have been. Uh, P. Ryan wouldn't have had a lot of the records that he has. But God, who do we play? Colorado, 2000. Who were those dudes they had? Brown and what were the other ones? Bobby Purify? Yeah, remember those assholes? <laughs> oh, my God. It was like thunder and more thunder. <laughs> They were just massive humans, man. They had a huge offensive line, and they were just blowing cats up. See, that, that's, I miss that old Big 12 because, like, Colorado, they weren't winning any Big 12 championships when OU and Texas were that talented back then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Sean, Sean, Sean Huff? Huff? Huff, yeah. Yeah. Caught him, I pulled over for you. I wasted the safety, and then I turned back and really covered and I wasted him too. Oh, yeah. The old two for one special. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh. That's like offensive line dream plays right there, Brady. Yeah. <laughs> one play. Yeah. Felt bad. Or, well, at first, I was like, man, we are get this guy's good. And that safety was pretty decent. And then I played with him. What the fuck was that? That's big time. My favorite was the the block the block the defensive lineman into the linebacker play. Yeah, then you get the two for one special. That's oh, yeah. God made plays, man. I feel like Oklahoma State football players weren't perfect in this game. Like, I get that. Some mistakes were made. There's no doubt. Mason could have been better. They had some some pretty rough plays. But good Lord, man, with just a few tweaks from a coaching aspect, who knows what we could have here. Yeah. Uh, I Lobo Lobo making plays. No, um, yeah. like, I want to – I would want to know from Oklahoma State standpoint, I would want to know what happened first. Did Mike Gundy come into this game completely conservative or did he alter his play calling because Mason Rudolph was off more times than he was on? Like, Mason's made two or three really good throws this game. Everything else has been timid, off-target, underthrown. Maybe some of that's the weather. Maybe some of it is just Mason Rudolph. But Because, I mean, as a coach, I would imagine you've got to alter your play calling if your quarterback just doesn't have it. Right. Yeah, I, know, I, mean, I, I, I know, Sam. Like, once you, get, once you get the opinion about the coach, like, it's hard to I, – I can't even lose mine sometimes when I have my own opinion. I mean, Oh, I think you're, what you're saying is not wrong. Mason hasn't been great in this game by any means. But it doesn't change the fact that it's a four-big Trump championship on the road against your rival. Yeah. You know I mean, you got to just – got to call the plays, and if the kid makes them, he makes them. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But, you know, that, that last third down, you run the football there with no intention of going for it on the fourth. And, you know, it's just a moment like that. This game is – Oklahoma is winning this game in the second half. They're a better team in the second half. There's no question about that. But now you're looking at a 
31 score, and OU's got seven minutes to go on the clock thinking, oh, crap, we're in a football game. Their whole mentality changes. You know, one thing that I will never have experienced on the football field in college is what, when less of them are in the fourth quarter in a football game, they're like, holy crap, this game is close. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. a whole like, – I don't know what that kind of expectation for me to be in a 31-28 game in the fourth quarter and thinking – and not only thinking, man, we can't lose because the national championship's on the line, but we can't lose because this is Oklahoma. Like, I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? Like, I have no idea what that is. Like, that's a – what kind of world is that? When, you know, that's the weight that you have. When you walk off the field and you've lost a game, you're like, wow, we just lost the game in OU. Like, that's stupid. Like, that thought of that is crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's a different feeling. I mean, anytime because I mean it, it's like the thing. Do you want to be the underdog every game you come into, and everybody's like, yes. Right. When you're not every game you come into, I mean, then it's like, man, we can't lose. To, can't lose to anybody. Right. Point. You know. I mean, it's it's a different mentality you have to have and take into those. Games. Yeah, you got to, like, manufacture your own chips on to put on your shoulder of, like, oh, this one def- backup defense back talks shit about us, so let's go kick their ass now. No, my – like, my, I guess, tackling fuel, so to speak. <laughs> like, <laughs> tackling fuel. Uh, bowling green, you know, like the first game of the year. And it's like, what What do you do there? You right. know I mean? You got a little 225-pound defensive end that, may or may not be kind of quick or whatever, but, I mean, that's just a – that's a toy. Hey, yeah. I, lo- I love me some Omar Jacobs on Matt – or on NCAA 05, their quarterback. <laughs> I love me some Omar Jacobs. He was getting around, but my my uh, motivation was always – I was like, man, these, these guys don't belong in the same field as us. So, that was always kind of my deal. Like, anytime yeah. the game came in, I was like, nah, they're, they're not supposed to be out here with us. Yeah, no, it almost like piss you off a little bit yeah. because then they got that one dude out there that's running his fucking mouth and it's like, okay, yeah, all right, buddy. I'm glad you're excited to be here. You're playing your first and only game on television this year. <laughs> and it was like – and West, West probably almost didn't – like guards and centers have the most fun in these games because, like, Wes is right. Like, the majority – like, Bowling Green's going to have a little guy out there that can run to make you think about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're offering up 255-pound nose guards. I'm like, you know, you really that you're a snack. I have no idea. I'm gonna just lay on you for four quarters of football. Yeah, it's awesome. I love them when they used to talk, like they talk a lot too. Is that making you feel better? All the talking that you're doing? Yeah. On your it's, back. It's so weird to see Lincoln Riley as just the play caller. I mean, it's been only what, two year, two or three years. And at this point it's still kind of weird to see it now. And it has aged him. Being the head coach at OU has aged him. Oh yeah. It's like when you get when you get elected president, and then like six months later, you got gray hair everywhere. It's like fuck. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed like he got gray hair and the old bad gut real quick. Yeah, you start. Oh, what was it? it? Was like what last year he put a hat on? He took a visor off. Took a hat on. Someone asked him in the post game, and he's like. Being the head coach at OU, you lose your hair a lot, a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah, get sunburned. 
God, P. Ryan Mason, 305, two touchdowns. Yeah, and remember at one point, OSU had, what, 187 rush yards to, like, OU's 20. 40. Yeah. Or 40. Yeah. It's crazy. Eric Hope Sam. This has been an eight minute and thirty nine second drive. Closers. And it's fun. Are you gonna watch it or are you gonna watch it? Yeah, no, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. Okay. <laughs> We're about, uh, See, I always forget Samaje came out after his junior year. I mean he played from the time he was a true freshman, so he played three years, but for whatever reason, I remember him as a guy that played all four years. I don't know why. Because he toted the rock 668 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he carried the ball enough to be a four-year starter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like those days are pretty much gone. Like you have someone carry the ball that long, you're going to have people questioning the head coach and the play car. Like, are you trying to get this kid killed? I mean, his freshman year, he pretty much was the running back. He was the only one. He was the offense, especially late in the yeah. year. Like, yeah. Cody Thomas at quarterback and Josh Heupel to play car. I was like, yeah, this this ain't it. We're just going to run Samaje into the ground. Yeah. You wonder if that was what got him on the next level. That's that's over 200 rushes a year. Like, that's, that's wild. Yeah. I don't think he was that one year. It was not not to like change subjects too too harshly, but like a guy like Chuba Hubbard, right? Like if he wants to come back, then the the correct decision was made because the only decision that matters is his. So if he wants to come back, then he's made the right decision. Obviously, he didn't foresee a global pandemic hitting and potentially elongating the season. I mean, hopefully we get football in the fall, but I mean, he's already carried the ball so much. You think, well, you need to go get paid while you can. And now it's like, with whatever happens with this college football season, I wonder if the play calling is going to be like, okay, in these games where OSU's up, you know, two or three scores against directional bullshit you, don't give Chuba the ball at all. Don't ruin his, don't ruin his future because you want to get him 10 more rushes for 100 yards. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's what they're going to get into a lot. This season, whenever he plays, especially if that offense comes together like it did. If Chuba Hubbard learns how to play football, he'll be he'll be unreal. I mean, back at, he'll be at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Like he last year, he did a lot of what he did just based off of sheer athleticism. And yeah, like I, I don't know how great his vision is. I don't know how great his understanding of the offense is. Or like how his offensive line works. Best running backs in the in the country are ones that understand what is supposed to be happening along the offensive front, right? Like what to expect the run to look like before you starting you start the run, and then adjust as the play develops. Like those are the guys that have the ability to be their best. And I just you know I feel like his pre-snap uh, you know assessment is just not quite there. But man, he's so talented. But I think a lot of what he did this season was show how athletic he is. And I'm guaranteeing he got – somebody said he got a third-round grade or a late second-round grade. Yeah. Well, it's just running backs in today's, today's league. Oh. Sam, how does that make you – like, 
I'm I'm not trying to dog. Like, what does that make you feel as an OSU alum, OSU fan? Like, do you appreciate the class, or are you of the opinion just walk in? I'd rather you walk in and run up the score. Uh, no, I. It's it is what it is, man. You know, it is what it is. Like he's that's a talented football player. It's a smart football play. You know, but and he, it's a smart football play, and he could be a bit of a dick. You know what I mean? So like. It's, <laughs> It's the best of both worlds. Like, you, you just love it. You just love it. And that's what good, football, what good football players do. You know, I mean, it is what it is, man. But I, I look, this game was, like I said, I was so proud of the way Oklahoma State, from a football player standpoint, approached the game. And I think there were some tweets from Barry Sanders Jr. This, the night of this game saying, you know, basically echoing some of the things that I had to say about icing the team at halftime and things like that. Like, it, it just was clear that Mike Dundee was too conservative and, and just, you know, there were moments where I felt like some aggressive play, you know, calling or or some pursuing, you know, pursuing of the of opportunities. You know, you next thing you know, Oklahoma State maybe has a chance to win this game. But yeah, uh, there's been so many of these in the last 10 years. At Oklahoma State, he, Oklahoma State's in the last 10 Bedlam games had an opportunity to probably win seven of them and probably had a better team twice in the yeah. last day. You know, they had like, the, still can't win. No, they had the better team in 2013. Uh, they had the better season, of course, as well. And then you, you take out D.D. Westbrook in this game and you dominate the first half like they did, just not on the scoreboard. Yeah, you got chances, but – now Baker Mayfield's running around his back-to-back baller move of a T-shirt, Big 12 champs. But, yeah, and this was Bob Stoops' last home game at Owen Field. Tenth Big 12 title in 18 seasons and handed the reins off to Lincoln Riley and the rest is history. That's crazy. Huh? Well, gentlemen, thank Enjoy you so yeah, thank you guys. Uh, Wes, thank you for jumping on the pods. Good to meet you as well. Uh, Sam, thank you as always. No problem, buddy. And yeah, this will this will be up at some point uh, on Saturday, of course. I'll put this up Saturday, let you guys know. But um, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Uh, please give Wes Sims a follow on Twitter. He doesn't have near enough followers what he probably deserves. Uh, Wes, what's the at on Twitter? Uh, at West Sim 60 on Twitter. That's easy to remember. It's his jersey number and it's his name. It's easy, it's easy to spell. You have no excuses. Everybody follows Sam, so I'm not going to plug him. But, uh, Sam, thank you for doing what you do on the franchise and making everything feel a little bit normal during these bullshit times. But uh, Appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate that. But, yeah, everybody, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next Saturday.